and he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy nor sell, save he that has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. That's Revelation chapter 13, verses 16 and 17. Shabbat Shalom, everybody. In today's lesson of the Wisdom Within Scripture series, the topic is the mark of the beast and the true tests of faith. Through my own studies, not only this morning uh, of scriptures, but over the last few weeks, um, God has given me much revelation with regards to the mark, with regards to the tribulation, with regards to the end times that we are living in. And in understanding what it actually means to be a true disciple of God, what it means to actually love him, what it means to actually be tested in your faith and tried in the fire, what it means to be prepared and fit to meet him at the wedding supper. And all of that and all of those revelations and that understanding and wisdom he's bestowed upon me, all glory be to him, I am now have been putting together in a teaching that I can share with all of you to those who have ears to hear and to listen and to learn. So what we're going to do, uh, there's quite a bit to go through, but it's extremely important. The revelations that were coming to me was that there are several chapters in the book of Daniel, the prophet Daniel, uh, and those are the ones we're going to go through today. But there are several chapters within the book of Daniel that give very exact examples of what Revelation chapter 13, the whole chapter, is talking about with reference to the raise, the rising of the Antichrist and the entire beast system, okay? A lot of people focus a lot on just who is this one person that is the Antichrist, which of course is a topic in itself. And yes, obviously we will become aware and see who this person is, etc. However, what's more relevant to your own salvation, what's more relevant to your life experience is the entire beast system that comes with that, it's the beast system that affects your life. It's the beast system that affects everything that you do and that's going to be the literal deciding factor of your faith when it comes to that point. That very phrase, he causes all, okay? He causes all, small and great, rich and poor, free and bond to receive that mark, okay? That is a very clear differentiator that that means that it's not that some people those who just choose it no it's a forced thing and so what that means is there is a decision one has to make in life and everyone that is alive in that time which again in my own personal belief and from understanding the times and the seasons and from reading all the scriptures it is extremely likely that we are that generation that will experience and witness this. You do not have to even look far. You just need to look at the, the way the world is at the moment and what it's leading to, to see that all of the signs of the book of Revelation are right in front of us leading into it. Like it, It's unraveling before our eyes daily, not to mention the speeding up of time and how everything is just happening so much faster now. And that's mainly because of the introduction of all this advanced technology. That's what happens. This is, has been happening with civilizations in the past as well. So um, 
To get straight into it, that's what we're doing. We're focusing on a few different chapters in the book of Daniel and cross-referencing it constantly to the book of Revelation, which you're going to say, the book of Daniel is a Daniel is a prophet and this is going back in the Old Testament, which again, I don't differentiate between Old and New Testament, meaning that all of it is the word of God, all of it is scripture, all of it is holy and relevant and is to be part of our daily bread spiritually. So you will see just the... It is so incredible, the prophecies that Daniel received. He literally, the prophecies that Daniel received are of the end of the world, of the end of days. I mean, just imagine how much like, just how heavy a weight that is on one person's soul to receive such information. This is also something important to consider every time you see the way uh, these visions are explained, the way God gives these visions to his prophets, that it's not just you know, an explanation of, well, this person will become like a president and then they'll implement this law and this and that. Like, it's not like that because think about the fact that it has to span over thousands of years. That's why he uses, uh, the way he explains things is through like beasts and animals and horns and, uh, different kinds of, different ways of speaking. It's not so like direct because again, we're talking about times, various different time frames in the world, which that's why you, when you read it today, it can be relevant to you. Um, it's extremely intelligent, obviously coming from the wisdom of God. So that understand that, that that's why all of scripture is still relevant today. And it's a living text. It's living and breathing. Remember that Jesus himself is the word of God. And as you read the word of God, Jesus is not only sanctifying you, but he's teaching you, he's edifying you. He's disciplining you. As he says, those he loves, he chastens, which we'll get into as well. Again, this is where there is going to be many, many people who think that they don't have to suffer for Christ. They think that they don't have to suffer in this world. They think that they can just do whatever they want and they're still going to be inheriting the kingdom. They're going to still have a mansion in God's home. They're going to still have to be able to sit next to him at the wedding supper and all these it's just not true it's just not true these are all religions that have been sold to people so that you will you know come into the doors every week and and give them your money it's the same as any organization and corporation they just want to make profit and they want to glorify themselves those who have nothing in it for themselves other than to tell you the truth such as my channel is my content that i put out there's nothing in it like that that we're the ones that end up getting the hatred and people like not being appreciative of all of the fact that this is the loving warning message and so just bear that in mind when you're hearing this like I don't even know who's listening I don't know who you are I don't have it in for anybody like this is actually because I am concerned for people's salvation I'm concerned for people who are being deceived all day the every day and I'm taking the responsibility which everybody has once they have the knowledge of God to to be the disciple and to go forth and teach to the world and teach the commandments of God. This is what Jesus said as well. He says, go forth and teach everyone my commandments. And so with the knowledge of God, one must actually do that and not just keep it to myself, like when he gives the parable of the the workers where he gave some five talents of gold, another four talents, another one, and what they did with it. The ones that received more, they multiplied it. 
And therefore, Jesus said, well done. You actually did something with the, with the gift that I gave you. You did something with it. You multiplied it. You multiplied the fruits, good fruits. Whereas the one that received one, he just buried it in a, his backyard and did nothing with it. And he says, you evil servant, you know, you did nothing with it. You could have at least given it to, a, to somebody of the world that could have done something with it. Like, that's how bad you were. Like, you, you had the gift. You knew the truth. And you just hid it away for yourself. Well, now you get nothing. So you see the importance of that as well. And that's why I'm saying, like, whether it be somebody who doesn't know anything about God or is just curious about these topics, whether you're atheist or whether you're in some religion or whatever, or whether you are a believer and, it's an, and this is a training for the saints, like, whatever your background is, if you're willing to actually hear the truth and and you, you listen throughout the whole thing, because again, it's not that people don't have time or an attention span. People will listen to podcasts that are four or five hours long that talk about absolute nonsense. They'll play video, video games for four hours in, in full alert and full concentration. You can, it's just whether or not you're willing to actually sacrifice the time to do so. And God knows and he'll pay attention. He'll show you that on judgment day. Here's all the signs. Here's all the people I sent you. Here's all the, you know, it's not even like, it's something as simple as you have listening to like this, listening to an audio or watching a video. How is that even a sacrificial thing? Like, it's not much to ask for, is it? Like, really, if, when you think about it. So if you can't even get through listening to a teaching that's a couple of hours long, how are you supposed to lay down your life for Christ if you are genuinely going to sit here and say that you, you're a true believer? And this is where the, the truth cuts. This is why he says, I come with a sword in my mouth. Why is it in his mouth? Because the truth. He speaks the truth. Your mouth, your tongue is like a sword. It can either cut people in like deceiving them into damnation or it can actually cut down to the root of the matter in the heart to show you your heart it shows you where are you still wicked where do you still have iniquity where have you been lying to yourself and so that you will get up fix yourself up you know clean up your room you know sort yourself out sort out your attire and put on the clothing of righteousness put on the clothing of Jesus's commandments and walk as he walked and to do so sooner rather than later, because the amount of tribulation you get, the amount of trial and testing you get is all going to be independent to where you are in your current state of life and how far down the negative road you are and so on and so forth. God knows he, he tests and tries people in various ways and, and it is testing your heart. It's the difference between saying something and then between actually doing it, which again, you can also see that throughout Always one of the best examples I can give is is in 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 a marital relationship with with a spouse. If your spouse is saying to you like you, you know you show your love to me by how how do you show your love to a spouse without even having to explain it to somebody? If you're faithful, you listen to them, you're there for them in in good times and in bad. You are trustworthy. You are sacrificial towards them. You sacrifice your time, your energy, and so on for for them. You do not give in to your own uh, lusts or selfish desires and not consider them in your decision making and so on. So imagine if you constantly break those all the time, but you say, yeah, of course I love my spouse. That's what people do with Jesus. I love Jesus, but it's really hard. Like, how do I, it's really hard. I don't know how to really keep his commandments. 
No, it's very clear. If you love me, you keep my commandments. Just like if you love your spouse, you don't go around cheating on them, lying to them. You don't go around um, living a double life. You don't abuse them and so on. And if you did and your spouse says, what you're doing is harming me, it's clearly showing me you don't love me. You don't love me. So either fix yourself up or go, right? But no, 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 people with God, they're like, no, you know, of course I love God. But, you know, how much sin can I get away with and still love him? It doesn't work like, like just like the adulterer. You can't say I'm, an, I'm a married adulterer. Okay, you can't say I'm a murdering believer in the God of the Bible. You, you cannot add the sin as a prefix to you being a godly person. It just does not work. So... Let us begin, and we're going to begin in chapter 3 uh, of the book of Daniel, and there is much to go through, but this let's go through chapter 3 first, and as I'm going through it, I'm going to be referencing, as I always do, different scriptures that connect to it, so you can see the bigger picture, and I'm going to explain to you the story, and the revelation I had when I read this is what's happening in chapter 3 of Daniel, and by the way, all of the book of Daniel is just absolute gold of wisdom. It's just absolute gold. And, and I actually find it very interesting that apparently the book of Daniel is one of the books that um, the, the Jews do not have in their, in their holy books. So remember I mentioned to you before, uh, Jews don't base their, their beliefs on the holy scriptures of the Bible. They have their own holy books uh, which is the Talmud, I believe it's called. And uh, what they actually say about Jesus in there is is um, is absolutely despicable and disgusting. It is despicable and disgusting what is written about Jesus in the Talmud. But not only that, they actually have some books of the prophets that don't exist and Daniel being one of them. And I, I, can, I can tell you from when I read Daniel the first time, so again, it's been about a year now since I started reading. So I've been reading the Bible every single day since the day I got it in uh, beginning of December 2022 and as you continue to do that like you will re- this is the thing you reread scriptures and then you get new revelations like God reveals spiritual things to you when you're ready for them and when you're no longer you know a babe when you're no longer just feeding on the milk he starts to give you real food he starts to give you uh, you know solid food right like when a child is growing up and so that's as that as I grow in that as well and as I grow in my faith as well that's why you see that in evolution in my teachings too and so reading this chapter three again like it just clicked for me and I was like this is exactly it's like history repeats itself and this is an exact warning from God showing us exactly what the mark of the beast situation is going to look like and I'm going to explain to you how that is so let's begin So the book of Daniel, chapter three, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, sent to gather together all the princes, the governors and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counsellors, the sheriffs and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar, the king, had set up. So he set up a golden image. It doesn't say what the image was of, but what it looks like is it actually was an image of himself. 
So in this case, it's like King Nebuchadnezzar is committing self-idolatry. He's putting himself above God. And that already in itself is something that's showing you what the Antichrist does. It's also what's showing you what the beast system is. It's like all leading towards, they are fully aware, okay, all of the wicked people of the earth including leading up to all the people in leadership and including inevitably the Antichrist and the various, many of them that already exist in the world. They are aware and know who the true living God is. They deny him willingly. This is the thing. They are not ignorant. They are not just uh, deceived themselves. They willingly do this. And so King Nebuchadnezzar, I remember reading many of the different accounts of him uh, and again he he was he was ruler of babylon one of the, the great biggest and hugest empires in all the world that ever existed and he amplified himself to the position of god and initially i thought well he must have been ignorant to who the true living god was because he believed in all the the false gods the pantheon of gods and so on gods of stone and wood and gold and silver made of your own hands but he took it as far as to worship even his own self. And even with the knowledge of the one true living God, multiple times through Daniel, he still did not accept him as his one and only living God himself. That's the thing. You see, you can have the knowledge of God and still be like, yeah, well, I can just be as just as good as God. Doesn't that sound familiar to you? That's what Satan did. Get it? He had the full knowledge of God. And he still was like, well, I can be as good as God, if not even better. Come and, come and worship me. So it's the creation trying to become the creator, which is an absolute complete delusion. As much as, as God explains, the clay saying to the potter, what is this that you've made? Does it make it? It doesn't even make sense. So continuing, he's gathered, as you can see, he's making like a whole big deal out of it. He's gathered all the rulers, all the different lawmakers, all of the princes, the armies, everyone together to set up and dedicate this uh, themselves to this image. Okay. Then the princes, the governors and captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counsellors, the sheriffs and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now, before I continue there, as you can see, that they're all of one accord here. They're all in agreement. There is nobody here of all of these, uh, if you will, positions of power or leadership or, quote, important people, nations, rulers, that are uh, defying this or going against it. They're all of one accord. And that's also what we see in Revelation chapter 17, verse 13. Let's go there. Which says, in reference to the kings that will come together in this book of Revelation to worship this beast as well, these have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. So this is the thing. This is the whole concept of all of the world leadership will come into one world government, will come into this whole new world order that's being talking about. So they're willingly doing that. Do you understand? They're willingly giving it away. So they're not even like glorifying themselves at this point. 
they're happy to give their power and authority to this. Do you see how big, like most nations would just never do that. They want to rule themselves. So imagine the strength and power of such a concept of this entire B system that they're like, yeah, we're all of one accord. We're all in one agreement to make it all one world government under one ruler. They're agreeing to it, right? They're not being forced to it. That we also see in Revelation uh, 13, verse 15. He had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that many as would not worship the image of the beast would be killed. So this is your spiritual principalities and powers. And this beast that comes up gives gives power and the ability to speak, okay, to the image of the beast. Now, when I look at that, to me, when I look at the world the way it is today and, and the rise of AI or artificial intelligence, which, by the way, even the name, remember that Satan kills, steals, and destroys. He can't make anything himself. He's not a creator. He just copies God to what extent he can. So why would it be called artificial intelligence? Because it's artificial. It's fake. It's even in the name. So think about artificial intelligence. Think about it being a digital image, like an avatar, right? Like he causes the image to speak. Well, how can an image speak? If it's an image of stone or an image that's carved, right? If you think of the time of King Nebuchadnezzar, his would have been like a big golden statue. Well, if it was a big golden statue today, could that be caused to speak or be made alive? Well, yeah, maybe that's possible. But if we look at it at the actual, the way the world is right now, what's the most plausible way to you make an image speak? Computerized robotics, right? Machine. The machine is speaking. The machine has come to life. What are we seeing with all these robots and things being made now? Causes the image to speak. And as many as would not worship the image should be killed. And we'll get into detail what that actually means as well. So then a herald, we're back to uh, Daniel 3, verse 4. Then a herald cried aloud. What is a herald? Somebody who makes public announcements, right? So whereas today you would do that through the internet, again, you see the, the power of the internet today. Back then it would have been something called a herald, which actually stands, you know, in a public place, probably with like a megaphone, microphone thing, and goes, hear ye, hear ye, you know, and then says a message, proclaims a message. A herald cried out, to you it is commanded, O people, nations and languages, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. And whoso falls not down and worships shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. So that was the order. That's the law that becomes law now, okay? Which is another thing. It is uh, prophesied by Daniel. He shall, the Antichrist, the B system, shall think to change times and laws. Absolutely. What have we seen? The precursor of that in the last three years, almost four years now. That literally happened before our eyes. Laws were changed at the, you know, in an instant, in a day. By what? By calling something an emergency situation instantaneously, 
all law is irrelevant and all of a sudden everything can be instantaneously instituted and people went ahead and just followed it. So I know a lot of people think that the thing that people took, uh, the solution quote in the last years was the mark. That was not the mark. Uh, It was, however, certainly a precursor to leading again into all of these things. God's mercy shows you warning. And the last few years was certainly a warning to show anyone, anybody to understand that that is the precursor. That is what it looks like. We experienced it, okay? So this is what I mean by those of us that actually didn't go ahead with all of the, the stuff in the last years. We experienced a lot of what it's actually going to be like in the B system because we weren't able to buy or sell. We weren't able to participate in society almost at all. It depends where you lived or how bad it got but certainly where I live it got very bad the only thing that I was allowed to do quote as someone who didn't follow and take their solution was to go and buy food and to still use my you know have access to my own funds which the main difference is that's why I can assure you that was not the the B system nor the mark the main difference is with the B system you won't be able to at all buy or sell so think about uh, the the digitification of money. Think about the elimination of cash. Thinking about the fact that they they track and monitor every single transaction, the digitization and the surveillance of everything. No privacy, no private property. All of that will come in under a one world government. That's because you know nobody owns anything. They're going to own everything, and therefore they can just take it away by changing the law. They can just take it away in any given moment by claiming that you are now a criminal and you've committed a crime. Again, nothing nothing about that is far-fetched because that exact same thing happened these last few years to the very point, again, at least where I live, that we even had specific lockdowns only for people who did not take the solution. They literally had us only locked down and everyone else was still allowed to participate in society. They received the social credit, you understand? However, we were obviously demonised those that did not pay attention to them, but instead trusted in the truth, knowing that there's something was very wrong here, okay? On top of that, again, where I live, it went to the very point of threats, threats of fines and threats of imprisonments. And I can tell I sure the the strength in me that I was literally mentally preparing that if somebody was to come and break down my door to fight these people off that they try to you know put something in my arm that I don't want it came to that point and when I look back at it now because I did not know God personally then but I know that He was in all of that all of it He always is guys He's always in everything when it comes to us knowing knowing how to do good things in conscience. It's a gift from God. And so now looking back at it and I'm understanding that I ha- like that level of just that level of assurance I had in knowing that I cannot and will not take this thing, knowing that that was his protection and it was because of him. Which also is why he helped me through all of that, because even though, uh, as many did, I lost much work, I lost much business I lost much livelihood, um, not because it wasn't offered, but because I had to stand ground and say no, because the only way to continue having work was to take the thing, which I didn't. And so instead, I trusted in the truth. I did not make money my God, right? And so he protected me through that. I survived. I still got through all of it. And 
nothing came about the whole they wanting to make it they wanted to make it a law by the way they wanted to make it a literal law mandatory here to get the thing and it fell through in the last few weeks and they didn't obviously they were not able to fine me or imprison me however as i just said i experienced that now anybody else any of you who also defied the system in the last few years then hear me when I say that that was a precursor for the beast system. So you now are to some level more prepared, okay? We are more prepared for the beast system in understanding that that's how it's going to be, but worse. Why worse? Because they're going to be able to switch off things like access to your own earnings, like access to your own bank account, like access again to you to be able to buy or sell, like literally even to buy yourself food, why? Because everything will be digitized through an app and everything will be through uh, the social credit thing. And what's the social credit thing linked to? The social credit is linked to, are you obeying the God of the government or not? And if you're not obeying the God of the government, well, you have no social credit. So you're not allowed to take the train. You're not allowed to fly. You're not allowed to go and buy yourself food. You're not allowed to go to work. You're not allowed to whatever else. And then, and then, and then what? Now you're classed as a criminal. Why are you a criminal? Because you go against the government. Do you understand? They can make you a criminal in whichever way they want when they decide arbitrary laws, which they do. Remember, man's law is arbitrary. It's not linked to God's laws. It's no, there's no righteousness in it. It is corrupt. It's man's law. That's why you cannot make man your God, any man. And that's why too many people are going to follow the Antichrist because they make man their God. Too many people make a celebrity their God. You know, and all they do is sing and dance in front of them. Then imagine how they are with government, okay? And so those who went ahead with everything in the last few years, for you, it's going to be even more difficult. It's going to hit you even more like a ton of bricks in realizing just what, what is coming. If you truly are a disciple of God, you truly care about eternal life, and you don't want to end up in the lake of fire, it is simply the truth this is not me being mean or anything like this. Like people today have literally no ability to discern anymore. Like quality good information that is a loving warning versus these lies and these deceptions that just tickle your ears and entertain you. So this is not about me or anything like, just, just stop it. Remove out of it. It's the information. I don't know who you are. I don't know who's listening. But this information can actually save your soul. That's what I care about. And I'm going to speak the truth, either, whether you like that or not, because it is God who judges me. And I want that when it comes to judgment day that I can say, God, I did what I, what, to the best of my knowledge, to speak the truth and to speak your word, to not add to it, to not remove to it, and to do my best to warn, to warn the lost, to warn your saints, to warn anyone who's questioning, confusing, to warn everybody of the truth so that they had a fair, they had a fair opportunity. And whoever you led to my content, whoever you led to, what, to, to my teachings, if they did listen, praise the Lord. And if they didn't listen, that was to their own demise. Okay. So as we can see here, King Nebuchadnezzar is changing the laws and he's saying, if you don't, like the moment that the harp is sounded or the, the you know, the different music, so there'll, there'll be a signal, right? This music signal. The moment it's sounded, if you do not 
bow down and worship this image, you will instantly be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. Now you can say, oh, well, no one's going to be thrown into a fiery furnace, right? No, but we just read, okay, let's go back, Revelation 13. Listen to how exactly the same it is, just all you've got to do is change what it is to the modern times of death, okay? He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, to take the mark um, in the right hand of foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So how are you going to die? Well, you can't buy or sell. So you're going to die of starvation. You're going to die of some kind of disease. You're going to die also possibly of the sword. They may also kill you, right? But that, that's the modern version of that. They don't even have to physically come and kill you. If they stop you from buying and selling, if they stop giving you access to, to normal things that you require to sustain your life, then you'll die from that. You see? Like... It looks more humane. That's why people agree to it. That's why people think that they're all this virtue singling righteous and like, well, we've got to do this for the greater good, right? So-and-so must die because they're not wearing a mask. So-and-so must die because they didn't take the, the harm in the arm. Like It becomes an entire cult delusion of thoughts because they think they're doing something right when they're, what they're doing is worshipping the God of the government who are literally taking them to their eternal demise. You must see beyond this physical life. Certainly as well from made-up diseases, which by now, if people don't know that that was the case, then really I don't, really I don't know what can help you. You must want to see beyond your own delusion. You must want to admit that you don't know everything. You must want to admit that you need to humble yourself in order to know the truth. And then you must seek out and ask God in prayer. Even if you don't believe in him yet, even if you don't know who he is, the first time you pray, you're like, you just be honest. I'm new to this. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm afraid of the future. God, please reveal yourself to me and please reveal the truth to me. I just want the truth. But be honest about it. So that's the modern translation of it. People will die. People have been dying and no one bats an eye. People will keep dying and, it'll, and they'll just call it natural means. How many more people have been dying from uh, like instant heart failure and nothing of that, right? And then no, no one makes a correlation. No, definitely not the government. No, no, no. Carrying on, Daniel uh, from verse 7. Therefore, at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery and all kinds of music... All the people, the nations and the languages, so that's the whole world, fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, had set up. And that's what I mean when it says in Revelation 13, he causes all, okay? King Nebuchadnezzar is a great example. He was a global leader of Babylon. He caused everybody. That means even the nations that weren't his. He caused the entire world. Think about that to bow down to this one image. And Revelation 13 says, he causes all, causes all. That means what? This is the important part, which I'm going to be hammering home throughout this entire message. If you do not, the consequences for you is death. That is what people are not realizing. 
And I'm going to get into more, more, more of that shortly. But that's what people don't want to hear. And that's a realisation you have to come to yourself, just like I did. And understand that the likelihood that that's, that's what's going to happen to you if you're still alive is extremely high. If, again, you actually truly love God. So continuing. Wherefore, at that time came certain Chaldeans uh, who came near and accused the Jews. Okay, The Jews they're referring to here is the four Jews that were currently under the captivity of the king Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel being one of them, okay? But they were part of his kingdom because they were so skilled and talented and they had a lot of knowledge and wisdom, all right? So they weren't just like some peasants. They had high skill, they're very talented, so they were actually in important positions in King Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. I talk about that actually in the episode called uh, When God Transforms Things for the Good. You should check that out. That's a very important one. Speaking of how Daniel gets to the very prominent position within the kingdom because God has him, has King Nebuchadnezzar literally promote Daniel so that he can be this bigger example to all of the world. Again, the position, you've got to look at the bigger picture of things when God allows certain things for a greater purpose so that everybody, the whole world could see that Daniel served the one true living God and that he could do things that no other so-called magician or whatever could do because they had all their charmers and magicians and sorcerers, which are all abominations to God. But Daniel was the only one who could actually reveal secrets and visions and dreams because he was the only one that served the true living God. And so there were these Chaldeans, which is a, a name of the na- one of the nations, came to accuse the Jews. So they came to accuse them because they knew that these, these Jews that were living under the captivity of Babylon served the one true living God, meaning that they served not Nebuchadnezzar's golden image and they were not to bow down to him. Okay, So they spoke and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. That's a lot of, you know, you see how... People are like, king live forever. They'll die for their, their government. Again, you see this today. Look at people, the way they, they act in presidential elections and debates. I mean, it's just shocking. There is no man, there is no woman, there is no human being that is your saviour. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sack, but psaltery and dulcimer and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down to worship the image, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. So they're like reaffirming to him before they, you see how they want to come and accuse the Jews, okay? So they're coming with this like malicious intent because they know already that the, the Jews do not worship his uh, image because they worship the one true living God and they know the exclusivity of that. That's the thing. Every other nation worshipped multiple gods and they were fine with coexisting, quote, with each other, right, and tolerating each other because they all worshipped multiple gods anyway. They were all false dead gods. But the difference with the one true living God is he is the only God. You shall have no other gods before me. That's his number one commandment, to love him with all your heart, mind and soul. You don't share your heart with some other false God made of wood or gold or any other thing or human flesh, right? So they knew this and they wanted to maliciously get rid of them. You know why else though? Because they... The Chaldeans were the wizards, the witches, the sorcerers, and they were jealous, especially of Daniel, because Daniel was the one that could do all the things that they couldn't do. And they were always, 
the, the falsity of their so-called abilities, like spiritual, magical abilities, were always uh, visible when Daniel was around because Daniel always could do what they couldn't do because they, they weren't serving any real gods. They're serving, they're serving the demonic realm and Satanism which, and Satan himself, which means that they can only get half-truths. They can only get a little bit of truth mixed with lots of lies, okay? And so they were jealous of him, and that's the reason why they wanted to accuse him. And here's the other thing. This is a precursor in showing you of the social credit system because this will come a time when the B system is implemented and the social credit system is implemented. That means that it is life or death also for the people that are not followers of God, and therefore all they care about is filling their own stomachs. All they care about is mammon. They care about getting money. They care about themselves. They care about making sure that they can still sustain their 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 livelihoods, whether that be lavish or whether it be basics. So it means when the social credit score is also introduced, it also means that there will be the whole snitch system implemented, which means that if you see that somebody else is not following the laws of uh, the government, the newly laws that are implemented to do, you know, all these ridiculous things uh, that they're saying, that you can snitch on them and tell on them, and then you will get a reward for being a snitch, okay? And that's what the Chaldeans are doing here. They are snitching on them. Because what, what benefit do they have of this? What benefit do they have of telling them this? It's going to be something selfish because they're wicked. It is not godly nor holy to do this. It's not godly or holy to slander and gossip about people. At all. Even it, like exposing the wicked is something completely different. But this is not exposing the wicked. What they're doing here is they are literally accusing the Jews, knowing that they worship a one true living God. They've not done anything wrong. But because there's this new decree that everybody must worship this image, they're like, we're going to accuse them, not because like they're, they're, they're a threat to us in any negative way, but because we are jealous of, of them because they are better than us, they are wiser than us, they have this knowledge, they have this power of this true living God. And if we get rid of them, then we can be the rulers in the kingdom. The usual, the usual nonsense of people who only think about their own personal gain, jealousy, envy, and so on. So continuing from verse uh, 12, there are certain Jews, so they're speaking to King, right? There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, you see, and they know that they are, they are like in key positions over the entire affairs of Babylon, the biggest kingdom, right, in the world. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not regarded you. They serve not your gods, nor worship the golden image which you have set up. So you see how he's saying, firstly, they're saying they don't worship your, your other, you know, your worldly gods, and they don't worship the golden image which you set up, which that's why I'm saying I believe that that image was of himself. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage, listen, he gets extremely angry. So he's now... Again, because he's self-righteous, self-deluded, self-idolatrous, this is what offends him. What offends him is him being not worshipped, right? Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that's the, the Jews, right? Then they brought those men before the king. 
Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not you serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I had set up? So now here's his pride kicking in. And you must remember when someone is in pride and rage, you ain't thinking straight. You ain't got no sense. Now you're just in absolute wickedness. Now you have taken the bait of sin. You've taken the bait of temptation. And at this point, he's willing to do anything. He's willing to, t- to follow that sin to its inevitable end, which is destruction, right? He's willing to kill people for this. Now, if you be ready that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery and dulcimer and all kinds of music to fall down and worship the image which I have made, then well, like good for you. But if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour in the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? So now he's provoking them again out of my hands. And here's the other thing, as I said to you, Nebuchadnezzar was not unaware of who the one true living God was. Daniel already proved it to him. Daniel already showed him with physical evidence that he served the one true living God. But it doesn't matter, guys, when you are in pride, when you are in rage, when you are in idolatry, you are in a reprobate mind. So King Nebuchadnezzar is, you can see like he's this apparently big glorious king and you're reading this and you're like, this is just so ignorant and stupid. And you realize it's because he's got a reprobate mind. He is in wickedness. He is deceived by the devil so that he thinks he literally is questioning and challenging them saying, if you don't do it and I burn, put you in the fiery furnace, well, who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands, right? Literally, literally um, putting himself above God. The same thing Satan did. And it is foolish because who is that God? He is the God, the creator of all things, the creator of me and you, Yahweh, the one true living God, Lord of Lord, King of Kings. He can destroy and he can create. And in his ignorance, he says this. And this also shows you why and how he set up the abomination of desolation, which is talked about in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. Let's quickly go there because this is also important relevance to to the, the B system. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. That's not a literal week. It's a time though, okay? He shall confirm, this is like the, the, the Antichrist, shall confirm the covenant with many for one week and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. What sacrifice? He's talking about the daily sacrifice. Back then that was in the physical temple which was destroyed. For us today, it is the daily sacrifice of thanksgiving and glory and prayer in the, in the name of the one true living God. Meaning that, as you can see here with King Nebuchadnezzar, you will not even be allowed to pray privately, you know, in secret to your God. That's what he means by he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. So you will be made a criminal if you pray or bow down or worship to any other God other than the God that he chooses, which is the beast system, the image of the beast that he causes to speak. Do you understand? And for the overspreading of abominations, so he's saying like he's going to, all this abominations will be across all the earth, all this false idolatry, all this worshipping of this image, the beast image, 
because of the overspreading of the abominations, he shall make it desolate. He shall make the whole world desolate, even until, so even the uh, daily sacrifice, and that that, until that, the end, which is determined, that the um, desolation be poured upon him, so until his end comes. So that is, like, the, the amount of prophecy in Daniel is, is incredible, because that's also got so much of the book of Revelation in it, Um so this is just this is not just about the temple being destroyed and people not physically being going to Jerusalem. Again, none of us can go to Jerusalem and pray in the temple since 70 AD. So he's talking about the daily sacrifice of prayer, thanksgiving and glorifying God, which clearly we can see here King Nebuchadnezzar has made a law that you cannot and if you do you shall die, right? Just like we're already seeing the progression of the beast system, right? With, for example, um, the cancellation and the forbidding of speaking certain things. For example, like when the beast system is fully in place, like someone like me and the things that I'm teaching and speaking on will be considered and classed as like not good in that system. As in, I will be persecuted for what I speak like already today through things like shadow banning and so on. That's always been the case for my channel. But like even more so as you see, you see it introduced more and more with this cancellation thing, the whole cancel culture, and then them just deciding whenever you actually have currently governments even intervening with various companies like social media companies and asking them literally, sorry, not asking, demanding of so certain uh, companies and platforms to de-platform people or demonetize people, whoever I don't personally monetize any of my channels, I never have. Therefore, if you see any advertising on any of my content, it's not me, it's whatever the platform is. I don't believe in that uh, commercialized stuff. So, but they're saying like de-platform them, demonetize them because we said so, because we don't like what they're doing, we don't like what they're talking about and so on. So therefore, again, who's dictating what the truth is? The government is. And people are happy with this. They're like, yeah, that's great because we trust in the government more than we trust in God. Yet you don't trust God's word to tell you the truth, the truth sitting there right in front of you. And you don't want to pick up the book and read. And, you know, again, uh, the, the, the reading ability even of people today is shocking. Like there's actually a serious uh, among, among various other issues in society and in, in the public in general, in, in, in generations in general, in humanity, more and more new generations literally just they cannot even read normal sentences nor write nor therefore comprehend that's the thing it's not just reading and writing for the sake of reading and writing which people seem to have no use for anymore because of technology but what you don't understand is your ability to read and write also is intricately connected with your ability to comprehend information so just because you listen to things or watch things online doesn't mean that you have the same comprehension in an intelligent ability as someone who can read and write and we have people that are literally like you know 9 10 11 years old and they can basic they cannot even spell basic words and people don't think that that's an issue it's a serious issue as it leads into them they're going to also do which they're doing already they'll have ai rewrite the bible They'll have it rewrite history as they constantly do. They'll rewrite everything so that you just, the next generation believes whatever the government says because you're, you're, you're worshipping the government. And with a godless world, it's becoming more and more godless in general, let alone 
believing in the, the only true God, the God of the Bible, Yahweh, and his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, which is your only way to God. Most of the world is just godless. So even the people that are in so-called religions and believe in gods, they're just religious, meaning that it's just a front. They just do practices, but they don't, they're not actually believers. Like, I don't know how else to explain it to you other than it's just a front. Like, they, they are also just statists. They just, what they, what they believe in and worship more is the government, more than anything else. And they will just, at the drop of a hat, do whatever the government says. And I've witnessed this with so many people with the last few years, even the people that took what they took and then regretted it and then realized that the government lied to them. And then therefore they were actually able to um, come to understanding that, you know, what, whatever's offered in the future as a, you know, thing in the arm, they won't take it. But then in the same breath, you see them listening to the government for all kinds of other things and going ahead with that. Like with the whole climate hoax nonsense. And so it's just... Without the word of God, okay, you will inevitably be handed over to a reprobate mind because you love the delusion. So you'll be sent stronger delusion. That's your reward. If you believe a delusion, you'll get stronger delusion. So don't do that. Like read and listen to the word of God because it is the truth. And know and understand that you need to be praying and fasting and in scripture daily and living the way of the truth as Jesus walked to prepare yourself. So he's saying, how is, um, who's this God that's going to deliver you out of my hands when I throw you in the fiery furnace? And this is what they replied. Listen, this is again, important understanding for us today, us. This is not just what happened to them. This is not just an old fashioned thing. This is relevant for us today. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. So he's saying, we're not like hesitant, we're sure in our response. And this is their, this is the courage in their faith. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, nor worship the golden image which you have set up. So two important things there. Number one, they're saying, if it be like destined, then yes, God will save us out of your fiery furnace. However, even if he does not save us out of the fiery furnace, because guess what? We're not guaranteed no affliction or no death. We are all going to die, aren't we? And how we're going to die is determined by God. No one determines that. No matter how, uh, no matter how powerful they think they are in this world and think that they can live forever as a machine and whatever else, consciousness, you cannot. God decides, okay? It is God. Every soul belongs to God. But he's saying, so even if he doesn't deliver us, like, we will not serve your God. So he's saying there's no amount, there is no amount of torment there is no amount of coercion. There's no amount of force that will get us to worship your image. Why does this matter? Because this is the patience of the saints in the beast system. Meaning what, guys? This is the realization you have to come to. And I did too. And I cried my eyes out. And I sorrowed and I mourned for the fact that, yes, I probably will need to lay down my life when it comes to this. And I'm not saying that everybody... Uh, is destined to that because some people may obviously from natural whatever ways when their time is die before the hand but I'm saying if you're not mentally prepared for this 
you will cave. You won't be like these three Jews and say, no, there is no amount of coercion or force, even threatening to kill me right here on the spot that will make me deny the one true living God, that will make me deny Jesus. I will cry out to my Lord and Saviour Jesus and he will save me even in death. As in, even if I die and when I die, he is still the one that's going to save me because beyond this physical form, there is life and it is eternal. And there is only two places we can go after this and that is eternal damnation and hell and suffering or eternal life with the glory of the Father. And that's what I choose. And so that's what they're saying here. They're saying like, if we have to be martyred, so be it. And they're saying... Uh, and, and, and if he saves us, then glory be to God. They're still glorifying him. And do, do you understand the level that takes? Again, put it to real world scenario. You would have experienced some of this, as I said. I understand this from the last few years. I was willing to the end to fight, to not take their, to go into their coercion, which was absolutely wicked and evil. And so to that level... But even more so, I am and and prepare myself daily and ask God to prepare me daily, as should you, if you actually serve and love the one true living God, to prepare you for no matter what the tribulation, no matter what the coercion, no matter how bad it gets, as well for you physically, because this is the thing that people think, they're just going to be raptured away, no one's going to suffer anything. No, you're going to have to suffer for Christ. The greatest thing, greatest love a man has is to lay his life down for his friends. And as, as it says, we are to deny ourselves and pick up our cross daily. What do you think that means? He expects that sacrificial love. It, it's you showing your faith. It's you showing the truth of your heart. It's you showing that even when push comes to shove at the end of it, will you for a morsel of bread deny your eternity? As did um, the guy in the Old Testament. What was his name? His name, uh, I'm forgetting it in this moment. But he was warned and told by God, do not take any food from this people because it's, it's going to be tainted. And he did. He took a morsel of bread and therefore um, he denied his own salvation. And that's the thing. But in that moment, right, this is what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's different when I'm saying this to you. But in the moment, like when you are starving, when you are literally worried of how you're going to pay for your rent or whether or not you're going to have to live on the street or something like it's in those moments like here with these three where they're like standing in front of a burning fire about to be thrown into it. If they love their life more than they love Christ. Again, read the scriptures again and understand what's being said to you. It's not this prosperity nonsense that people are filling these massive stadiums and throwing their money at these celebrity pastor people who will have their own judgment to deal with. But those of you as well who believe and listen to it, you are also judged because you're not only fooled, you believe the lie and you want it. You're not reading the scriptures and understanding the truth of the matter that is sobering. So as they said that, then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. So again, look, he's now, he's so angry that this is, again, the truth angers people. Like, he's so angry now because his pride is more important, okay? He's so angry because he's being, like, he's losing face in front of everyone, right? Because now everyone's seeing, oh, look, there's these three people that aren't wanting to bow down to him. So, oh, how could he lose face, right? 
Dude ain't humble at all. The dude is so prideful and so delusional in his own conceit. But don't worry, Nebuchadnezzar also gets his humbling uh, later in the book of Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Like literally his, he turned into pure evil. I want you to imagine the look of someone's face. Like I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. When someone is so furious, like you just can't get through to them. You know that they're in this like literal demonic state of all they want to do is like murder you like that it's just pure evil and wickedness therefore he spoke and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was to be heated so he's like he's like he wants to afflict them so much he's like make it seven times hotter so much so he made it so hot that the people that were preparing the fire died Okay, I don't know if you've ever been like around a bonfire, like an outdoor fire, where it gets so hot that literally the clo- when you're next to it, it's 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 uncomfortable. Like you can't even sit next to it. It's no longer just like this nice cozy fire. Like it's uncomfortable to be around it. It hurts. That's like how he, hot he was making it. Because not only does he want to kill them, that's not enough. He wants them to suffer. Like this is how much he hates God. Think about it. What have they actually done to him? Like he hates God. It shows his heart. And that's why it shows God who's wicked and who is true. Who is pure and who is unpure. Who is holy, who is unholy. Who is filthy and who is clean. And too right, mate. Why would you want such a person like King Nebuchadnezzar living next to you in the kingdom? Would you? Would you want such a person living next to you that would be willing to do such things? This is the thing where people are like, oh, he's... You know, God is judging wrong. No, he's not. God's judgment is perfect. This man is behaving in pure evil. And people do this every day. They say, oh, I'm not that bad. Yeah, people are this bad. The average person is this bad, just on a scale of personal. How many people have enemies, people they don't speak to for 50 years and seek vengeance their whole life? And that poison is in them, in the same kind of wrath and fury. And that's how they live out their lives rather than being a reflection of God. And I point out that Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury uh, and therefore he went to punish them. I want to point out in Revelation verse uh, chapter 12, verse 17, we see that as well with uh, Satan, okay, where it says the dragon, Satan, the dragon was wroth, which means furious, with the woman, which is uh, talking about uh, the woman that gave birth uh, to the remnant of her seed, which is the descendants of Jesus, basically all of us who believe and follow Jesus. When the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. You see, he's angry with you if you keep the commandments of God and testimony of Jesus. It's, that's exactly what Nebuchadnezzar's doing. He's angry because they keep the commandments of their God and not his man-made commandment. Do you see? He's angry. That's why the beast system is also like that. They're, you will be punished for keeping the commandments of God. Again, we witness that today in the world. The world is set up so that you don't keep the commandments of God. And if you do, the world hates you and punishes you. It makes it difficult for you to live in the world. So, albeit though, it's still possible to do so at the moment, even though you're going to be less and less uh, part of the world, if you will, but that's what's supposed to happen. As scripture tells you, you're supposed to be unspotted from the world. You're supposed to be separate from the world, set apart, a peculiar people. You're not supposed to love the world because you can't love God that way. 
that it's very clear, hot and cold differentiator. It's either, as I said, like you're either of the good or you're of evil. There is no middle ground. There's no gray area. The gray is wickedness. The gray is evil. The gray is the broad path. God's path is straight and narrow and it is focused on Jesus. It's keeping his commandments and the faith of Jesus. And you show your faith, you show your love for Jesus by keeping his commandments. And there's those people, Jesus has new commandments. No, he says, love one another as I loved you. He says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and soul and to love one another as I have loved you. Now those two, as he said, on all the prophets and the law hangs on those two commandments. Why? Because the 10 commandments and all the rest of the laws which are uh, given to you in clear explanation in the Old Testament is how you do those things. How do you love God and how do you love others the way Jesus loved? They're they're detailed explanations because, of course, if you just say love, people take that and twist it and make it what they think love is, which is not the truth of love. And why does Jesus say it's a new commandment to love as I have loved you? Because he physically walked the earth as a human being and showed you in human form so you have no excuse what that love looks like. And again, in all of his various examples, which we read through all of the Gospels, he gives you examples of what that love looks like. And ultimately is again showing you how, how, how that love is how you keep all the commandments because it means you're a person that is harmless. You're blameless. You wouldn't even conceive of doing harm to another human being, let alone physically doing it. You wouldn't even think about it. That's what that love is. And the type of love, as he says, is sacrificial, that you would lay down your life for your friends, that you would never think of... Um, harming the fatherless you would never think of exploiting the widow the poor person you wouldn't even think of it like you wouldn't even think of stealing one penny from somebody like it it would crush you inside you know an old lady comes up to you and she like gives you this money and you have to like count you know at the cashier let's say you work at a cashier and you're like counting and she's like you know she doesn't know how to count it or she can't see and then you have to count the amount she owes you Do you actually count it accurately or do you take for yourself a bit extra because you know that you can fool her? Those are tests, guys. Those aren't nothing. Those small things that people call, that shows who you really are. When your manager's not looking, do you take something that clearly you're not allowed to take? It's not yours. And you justify yourself. You make a wrong or right in your own head. Stop reading into scripture what you want to hear and instead understand that it is sobering and it teaches you just how, how uh, broken and imperfect we really are and how only through Jesus are we sanctified and through his strength is all things possible. That's why he says with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. That's why he says that. That's why when you're actually in Christ, when you're born again, it's his Holy Spirit that is sanctifying you. And it's his Holy Spirit that convicts your heart immediately. Immediately when the the if occasion, not the when, the if occasion that you stumble and sin, you instantly feel that contrite heart. 
you ask for the forgiveness and the mercy and then you learn your lesson and don't do it again. It's a sanctification. It's continual to the point where it just becomes that all the things that God hates, you hate and all the things that he loves, you love. Your heart becomes like his, that your image reflects more and more of God and not of yourself, of man, of human. He looks at you and he sees more of himself. That's what it means to reflect his image. Like He sees Christ and he doesn't see you, the human being, with all your sin, with all your... Uh, deceitful lust because remember he sees through you he knows your lusts that's why you should constantly be praying that he are that he searches your heart and uproots and purifies any wickedness still within you known and unknown even that which you're oblivious of and he will help you and he'll get rid of those strongholds and those those uh, lusts that you have because all of it stems from lust the majority of it is lust and pride it is you wanting things that you don't have or don't belong to you and then you uh thinking that you are higher than you are, prideful, thinking that you deserve, you're better than, the entitlement. God, the entitlement the whole world has today is disgusting, guys. Like the average person is so entitled. They're ungrateful for everything. Again, this is not like I'm giving you Neb King Nebuchadnezzar's example. And, and please don't be the type of person, which many are, which will listen to that and say, oh, thank God that's not me. No, like you need to seriously look at yourself because the average person behaves like this in various things that they think is little things, but God sees everything. So, continuing. Verse 20 in chapter 3. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their, ho their ho hosen, <laughs> that's a German word, their hosen, which is a trousers, and their hats, and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the buying fiery furnace. So they were thrown in with all the clothes that they were wearing. So fully clothed. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent. Yeah. So this is state of emergency. Right. People do things that are inhumane, ungodly and completely wicked because they were urgently told to do so. This is your, your, your order following people, which again... If, if the government is your God, then that's how people behave and have clearly shown us that they behave that way. And the furnace, exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shedrach, Meshach and Abednego. So again, even the people that were, he got his three mightiest men from his army to throw them in. And, and those three were literally burned up as they were approaching the fire. Okay. And these three men... And that, but by the way, that means they were the enablers of evil. So they're just as judged, these men that flew through these uh, innocent men in the fire. This is the same goes, as I said, for all these people who took part in, in these atrocities in the last years and that will also support the B system through the social credit score and everything and think that they're doing something good when they're being their snitches and all that, when actually they are enablers of evil. And don't think that a bystander, a watcher, an enabler is not going to be judged as the one who does the wicked act. They will. And these three men, Shedrach, Meshach and Abednego, fell down, bound in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. So they got thrown in and they fell, right? But they just fell in there and then they got up and it's like they were just standing in there. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished. So he's so conceited and deluded that he's like, oh, wow, 
they're actually like, they're fine. Like he's astonished. Astonished is like surprised. It means like you can't believe what you're seeing. And he rose up in haste and spoke and said unto his counsellors, Did not we cast these three men bound in the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose. So they're not even tied up anymore. Now they're loose, meaning they're free. They're no longer bond, right? Truth shall set you free. Walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. So they've not been touched at all by the fire. And the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Now, when I first read this, I was like, what? King Nebuchadnezzar even knows who the son of God is? Remember, we're talking, this is thousands of years before Christ. He knows who Jesus is. So he knew who God was and he knew who the son of God was. And I was like, what? And this is what I mean when I say like seeing is not believing, having the knowledge of God and yet denying it anyway. This is people making the free will choice anyway to believe in this satanic mindset that you can be above God. Like shocking. He, this is why his punishment is worse. That's why there's levels of punishment. Of course, you don't want to end up in hell or the lake of fire either way. But there are levels of punishment. As in there is, it's literally like the prison system in terms of how long are you serving time. But this is like in what kind of prison are you in hell and how, how harsh is your torment. Again, all systems on earth are a replica, not a good one, but a replica of what Satan saw in, in heaven with God. And so he replicated all of that, just like he replicates a kingdom on earth. He replicates like uh, le- uh, leadership and so on, but he, it's not leadership. It's like hierarchy and dictatorship and tyranny and those things. It's different, just like with the prison system and the man-made laws but it's not based off of God's law. It's not based off of righteousness. It's based off of who uh, survival of the fittest and who can be the most, um, who's the most like violent and evil. Those are the people that get ahead. So I put here Revelation chapter 13, verse six in reference to that. So let's go there. Right, yeah, and this was about the uh, one of the beasts. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. So this is the thing, like blaspheming God, blaspheming his name, talking against God. And that's what King Nebuchadnezzar is doing here. Like the knowledge of God is there. It's the same with the Antichrist and the beast system. They know who God is, guys. This is why like, the level of evil in these people is almost unimaginable. It's like when you look at some of these leaders today, which again, anyone that's like a billionaire today, guys, please, like, how can anyone look at those people and be like, oh, they're just an innocent so-and-so who became a billionaire? No, like when you see the projects they're involved in and what they're bringing in and how they're ushering in this B system and how they blatantly lie to your face about their projects, such as, for example, going into space and things like that, And you just look at them and think like, what is in it for them to lie about such things? They are deceived by the devil. They know who God is, but they are bought into the devil's lie that they can live eternally by the devil's means. And that there is, you know, they'll get out of 
going to hell or that if they go to hell, it's one big party, which it's certainly not. And that there's not going to be a judgment or, you know, God has forsaken the earth and all those lies. They believe that stuff. And because the devil will give them in the world, will give them power and money and, and, and uh, esteem and so on. They therefore take that as proof and believe it. Foolishly not understanding the truth in the word of God. And that after this, as is the end of Satan, as is his... Um, as is his fate and destiny to end up in the lake of fire, so will be for those that follow him. Because the lake of fire and hell was made for the devil and his angels. Because remember, we're eternal, guys. We don't ever cease to exist. So when you die in the physical, you've died in the physical, but you go on living in spirit. You, you, you're something else. You're, we're like the angels after that, as it's written uh, in the Gospels. We neither marry nor are given to marriage nor reproduce. We are like the angels in heaven when we are resurrected, when we're no longer human. Like humans are a specific kind. That's why we have a dominion on earth. That's what we were made for, for what we are as humans on earth. But that's not what we are after this life. And obviously we're under the curse of death because we do die. Humans die. Um, and so... They don't realize that, yeah, so so because that's why hell's made, like why is, did God make hell? Da, da, da? Because eternity is eternity. That means someone has to eternally be somewhere. So so if, you, if, if Satan's let loose and around us all the time and all of his minions and everyone that follows him, which includes humans that follow him, that means we will never have peace. Those that choose God, those that choose righteousness. That's why they have to be in a place that's not with us. They have to be separated from God because they also deny God and they hate God. That's why hell and the lake of fire was made for them. So they, they can be where they deserve, which is eternal torment. But those then who choose God and who sacrifice their life for God will be in eternal heaven, will be in eternal um, life with him. And that's why the new heaven and the new earth is where the covenant of peace comes in which is that there's no more pain, there's no more tears, there's no more disease, there's no more suffering, there's no more unsafety in general because nobody that's there would ever even conceive of the idea of doing something evil. That's the point. You still have free will. The angels have free will too, by the way. Otherwise, how else would he have sinned? We all have free will. God made all of creation with free will. And so... With your free will, that's why your heart is being tested. Get it? Your heart is being tested. With your free will, are you going to choose the lusts of the flesh and pride and your own desires of, of things that fade away, like the grass that fades in one day, right? Like this life that is nothing but a, but, but a, breath, of, uh, a breath that goes and passes, as it's written in the Psalms. Or are you going to latch on to God with all your heart, mind and, and your might in knowing that there is life beyond this life and it is not worth it to lose that eternally being with God being the creator of all being with the one the only one that is good the only one that can actually make life prosperous and beautiful and all of the everything that is good is from him with him to be with him to serve him day and night yes of course what an honor to serve and worship the Lord my God day and night I mean, how is that looked at as a negative thing? You willingly here labour all the day long 
at work for a manager or a job that you hate, right? For what? For money. But worshipping the God that created you, that will give you everything and anything you ever need, and you will lack nothing, and you'll never have any pain or suffering or sorrow, and you'll live eternally in joy with real brothers and sisters, like people who you can actually call brothers and sisters. That's like some terrible thing. Why would he want me to worship him? Like, I Honestly, like, it's just stupidity at this point. It's just stupidity. Please, see beyond it just for a second. Why do you go to a job then that you hate all day, the long day, to, to worship a piece of paper that buys you something that lasts you for a day and that you're going to perish anyway because we die? See beyond the physical in this very moment. Because no, life is not just about this present moment. Another lovely delusion that one of the mystery religions love to teach people is that they literally are teaching you to not use your reason and your intellect, which God gave you, but rather they're teaching you to just constantly be blank-minded and therefore just allow every and anything to come into your mind and to not put every thought into captivity, as it's said in scripture, because how many people are constantly spiritually attacked and you will always be by thoughts from the enemy. And the test is, are you going to entertain thought? What does entertaining the thought mean? It means do you the thought comes in and you're like, oh, I wonder what that's about. And then you start thinking about it, contemplating it. That's you accepting the thought instead of going, reject it. Get away from me. What is that? Ugh, I don't want to think about that. And then you have to actually force yourself to think about something else. It's work, but it goes away. It's worth it. It's worth it because you can fight it off. It takes a few seconds. That's it. But most people can't even do that in a few seconds to fight it off. Instead, they'll embrace it. Oh, yeah, let me think about that now then. This weird demonic thing I wasn't thinking about. But, hey, let me think about that now because, hey, it's interesting. It came into my mind because, hey, I should just allow through meditation any thought to come into my mind. It's a download from the universe. It's giving me, again, all these people who, like... Uh, worship and talk about uh, meditation like this transcendental meditation where just for hours on end you just do nothing think of nothing and just allow yourself as an empty vessel for what for demons to possess you and what will they give you always it's always ideas for some kind of business it's very interesting these are very it's always about an idea for a business idea for how to make money and all these people eventually do actually become very rich prominent and famous in the world in the world why because they took the bait they took the bait from the satanic world, which is all lies and deceit. And guess what? He's going to want his payback. He's going to want his payback. And so understand that with God, there's no, there's not this trading of, you know, if I do this for God, then he'll give me this. He clearly states when you follow his commandments that your life is blessed. And when you don't, you're under the curse. That's just plain to see. And it's also plain to witness when you live it. And so from verse 26 in chapter 3 of Daniel. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace, and he spoke and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God. See? Knowledge. Knowledge of God. The Most High God, come forth and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth out of the midst of the fire. So they literally just walked out of the fire, completely unharmed. Absolute miracle in front of everybody's eyes. Again, for the greater purpose so that everyone would also see that there is a God that saves. There is a God that is true. There is a God that is beyond the king, beyond his golden image, and beyond his false gods. And the princes, governors, and captains, and the king's counsellors being gathered together, 
You see, everyone was witness, saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power. Again, the importance of several witnesses saw, saw this. Nor was a hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. So they were completely protected. Total miracle, the impossible made possible. Again, though, for a purpose. Then Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him. Mm. The trust of God is what's your test. Do you trust in God or do you trust in your own flesh? And have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any God except their own God. Do you hear that? They yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any God except their own God. Are you hearing the exact same thing that will come to pass with the mark of the beast? You have to self-sacrifice for Christ. It is the inevitable. Those who do not worship the beast nor his image nor take his mark will sacrifice their own bodies for Christ. And again, various ways that will happen, whether they will literally behead you or whether they will through cutting off your access to society and therefore you starve to death or you have a disease or whatever. That is you trusting God and enduring till the very end, as it is constantly written. He who endures to the end shall inherit all things. He who endures to the end shall be saved. He who endures to the end shall be made white, shall be purified, shall inherit all things. So now this is Nebuchadnezzar. After seeing this, now he's saying, Therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation and language which speak anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. So see now how he is glorifying before everybody the God of uh, the Jews, which is the one true living God, Yahweh. And now he's making a new decree saying anybody that speaks against their God, uh, their house will be made a dunghill. So in other words, they will also be uh, killed. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So now, again, the greater purpose of this is now they're receiving even higher positions of authority and leadership. Okay, so higher responsibility within the kingdom. That's the biggest kingdom in the world. So that. The true living God can be glorified no matter the current situation and evil in the world. But here's what you must understand with King Nebuchadnezzar is he still was not born again himself. He was not serving Yahweh alone. He was not believing in Jesus being the only way, even though he was fully aware of who he was. Do you see? So even though he was doing that, he implemented that, which again was of God's will. That would have been put uh, on his heart by God to do that. He himself was not yet saved because he still had no issue with worshipping himself and other gods. But that shows and came to, uh, comes to pass, which I'll just briefly mention here because I can't go through the whole chapter, but you should read it in chapter four of Daniel. But I will go just to this part so you understand what was uh, King Nebuchadnezzar's personal salvation that came through, where it's in cha- uh, chapter four, verse 33 to 37. I will share this, where this is where he was debased, okay? And so this is for people who are always like, you know, God's forsaken the earth. He's not making any judgment. All the wicked are having great lives. So everyone that would have seen King Nebuchadnezzar would have been like, well, there's no God, man. Look at this guy. 
Look at this guy. He rules the world. He can do what he wants. He's killing people. He's whatever. His judgment, his judgment came. You don't de- 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 determine the time. I don't determine the time. Only God does. As I've said to you before, justice is calculated in timing by God. No one can hack it. No one can like calculate, oh, this is how cause and effect of God's judgment works. No. He decides. That's the spiritual mystery about it, which is only in God's hand, which shows his sovereignty and almighty power. So from verse 33... The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, which is that he lost his entire kingdom within one hour. And he was driven from men and did eat grass as oxen and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair was grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. He was given over to a heart of a beast and he was literally eating like grass on the floor. The dude lost his mind completely. He was so debased. And by the way, he had several years warning by God to repent, which means God would have even showed him mercy and this would not have had to have happened. But it's his own stubborn pride that led to it, okay? Now, at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned unto me and I blessed the Most High And I praised and honoured him that lives forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay in his hand or say unto him, what are you doing? At the same time that he did this, my reason returned unto me so God gave him back his conscious mind and the glory of my kingdom my honor and brightness returned unto me so you see he received blessing again because now he's actually giving the glory and the honor to God as he should and he meant it and my counselors and my lords sought unto me and I was established in my kingdom and excellency and majesty was added unto me so he had even a greater blessing and kingdom than before okay he came to the knowledge of god by harsh punishment by harsh trial and error it doesn't have to come to that but as you can see in his case it had to and for many people it does have to come to harsh uh testing but for others it doesn't have to be harsh but nonetheless it still be testing everyone will be tested and purified in the fire now i nebuchadnezzar praise the and extol and honor the king of heaven all whose works are truth and his ways judgment and those that walk in pride he is able to abase or humble. So now Nebuchadnezzar is blessing and knows that God is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and there is no other. Okay. And again, this is written in scripture, which millions and billions of people would read thousands of years to come. Do you not see Not only the relevance, but the wisdom, the the prophecy, the knowledge, the understanding in it, the comprehension beyond ours, the godliness that is this, this book. All glory be to God. Absolutely incredible. So God allows these things to fulfill a purpose. That's why when you see these things happening, you're like, and people are like, but how or why or why do people get away with? They don't get away with it. None of them do. That's why you shouldn't. As it's written in the Psalms, you shouldn't envy 
uh, like rich and famous people and that. Like you shouldn't be envying them or, you know, your whoever, your best friend, your next door neighbor, your your family member who you think is uh, better off than you, whatever. Don't envy people. Like you have no idea what judgment faces them. Only God knows that. You should be focusing on your own salvation and working it out with fear and trembling, meaning you should have the healthy fear of God within you, knowing that every day you ask him to humble you and reveal to you anywhere that you are still impure, anywhere that you still require that refinement and that you you constantly praise and glorify him, that you never exalt yourself above him or anything else. Okay. So that was one of the ones I wanted to go through, which I think is an absolutely perfect example of what the B system and the mark of the beast is going to be like. Again, I, uh, the mark of the beast has not yet come, but it, it is clear it's in Scripture, and I'll read all of Revelation 13 as well. I'll get to that. But it is clear in Scripture that it will be an actual defining marker it's going to be something that is going to define whether or not you can actually buy or sell that is a very clear thing that's not vague okay it's not vague meaning that it will be very clear to us that when this is implemented and again we can see the ushering in of this that it's very likely going to be some kind of digitized system where everything's linked to it we see it happening right there's a certain id card there's a pass it's digital. Everything's going to be linked to it, meaning your bank will be linked to it. Your identity will be linked to it. All of your, uh, what you do as a social credit will be linked to it, right? And therefore, through that application or whatever it may be, the mark, the chip, whatever, right? That part is yet to be determined. But as we can see, it's all coming towards that, especially technology being certainly the devil's creation and his way of, of coming to this ultimate control and surveillance, he will, it will be very clear to us that if you don't participate in it, that that's you not taking the mark. Like, that's going to be so clear. Like, again, we saw the shadow of that in the last few years. The difference is this time it's literally going to be life or death situation. And that's the importance of that is what you must understand. You're not going to be lifted up into the air and not, not have to deal with any trials and tribulations. No, actually, many, many people, I'm not claiming it's all people, I'm not like, only God decides how and when you're going to die. But many of us, if you are alive in that time and you have to face the mark of the beast, your only alternative option, according to this, as it, he causes all, as in no one gets away with it. You can't run off into the wilderness and think that he's not going to, like the B system is not going to catch up to you. Maybe not for a year or something, maybe a couple of years, but inevitably is the point. Inevitably, he's going to wear you out. You're going to cave or you're going to have to die for Christ. And I'm going to show you in scripture how over and over again that that is confirmed. That, that, is, our, that is our alternative option. Those of us that will not take the mark at any cost. It is death in Christ. But death in Christ is actually an honour, and that's what people don't understand. As it actually says, again in one of the Psalms, um, precious in his sight is the death of his saints. That's what it says. Precious in his sight is the death of his saints. What does that mean? Think about that. Is that you're showing your love for Christ, you're showing your love for God, 
to the extent that he showed it for you, that he died for you. And so with that, I want to continue as well in uh, Daniel chapter 6. Again, book of Daniel, immense amount of prophecy about all of the book of Daniel, guys, is literally he had prophetic visions about the very end, the end of all things, the end of the world as we know it. Like that is a massive, no wonder he had no idea what he was receiving. No wonder like, you know, the angels had to come and explain things to him. And even with the explanation, he didn't understand. How could he? Think about that thousands of years ago, receiving a prophetic vision above the end of the world about a time where you don't understand, like as if he would know what apps are, as if he would know what digital images are, as if he would know what, you know, what the kingdoms would be like today. You know, it's just, it's incredible. It's such... The word of God is the truth. And if you would just listen, if you would just listen and, and ask God to reveal the truth to you and humble your heart, he will give you the understanding. I'm telling you, it's the living word of God. Like it's not just a static text you read and you're just reading words on a page. If you read it like that, then you won't understand it. Like every one of my teachings I put out, like is can't you see how I'm like clarifying the scriptures in a in a form that shows there's wisdom and understanding like that only happens because God has actually bestowed upon me that wisdom and understanding because I humbled myself to know the truth and because I don't claim that I am anything I'm no one it is Christ it is God that is everything he decides it all he has declared the end from the beginning he's declared it and so when we are obedient to his word that's how we become wise Wisdom, like the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But if we're self-deluded like Nebuchadnezzar, you will be abased. You will. And so let's continue as well in understanding this as, as I evolve in this teaching. And I hope this is sobering some of you guys. And again, I hope that you're seeing that this is all a loving warning. I want you to understand the importance of you receiving loving warning and knowing that every time... Uh, God bears witness to the truth to you, which is through things like this. It's through messages you hear and whether or not you listened and then God will see what you do with it. He's going to see now after, for example, you're listening to a message like this. What do you do with it? Do you take it to God? Do you pray to him? Do you then actually go to the scriptures yourself and ask God, God, please reveal to me the, to the truth. I've been been leaving in this whole thing about I don't have to suffer at all. I can do what I want. It doesn't matter if I sin or, you know, I'm going to be raptured before all this happens and blah, blah, blah. You know what? I'm questioning it. Maybe it's not true. Maybe I need to actually understand the scriptures myself and not believe in my so-called religious leaders who have been lying to me, right? And then you humble yourself and he will start to reveal the truth to you. But you have to actually want to hear it because the truth is heavy on your heart, man. It's not all this happy glory fairy tale nonsense, that's why with wisdom comes sorrow. I, you will go through phases and periods, but like I, I had phases and periods where for like weeks I couldn't even speak to, to anybody. I was just crying all the time. There's so much sorrow in it. Like You begin to understand what God is having to deal with, with humanity, and you understand why the judgment is inevitable and why the end of the world is inevitable. Like that the, the world itself will be destroyed because of the wicked, but those who will be saved are... The righteous, the meek, that's why it says the meek will inherit the earth. Because we're the only ones that, uh, that will be actually able to sustain life. Because those who follow God's commandments are, are in favour of life. Those who follow satanic wickedness 
They're murderers. They're liars. They're deceivers. They literally are a death cult. Satan runs a death cult. Not only wanting to kill themselves, but to kill everything and everyone around them, all life. Including life literally, calling it liberation and calling it, you know, autonomy to, to murder life growing within you. It's just, it's abominable, man. It's abominable what people believe, the brainwashing, the, the absolute brainwashing. God made man and woman in his image. He made them and it was good. And he made each kind after their kind. And we're supposed to reproduce after our own kind, not mixing, meddling with any other seed, not with beast, not with angel, not with demon, not with fallen hybrids, not with none of that. Not, not defiling ourselves. It is a good thing to be a woman. It is a good thing to be a man. And yes, they are different. We are different. And that is beautiful. We have different positions. We have different uh, duties. And in all of it, like you see throughout all of scripture, like the affliction of our souls, the affliction, like the discipline of ourselves is actually what is good for us. It trains us in righteousness. It trains us in the good. Everything that, that is lustful, everything that is wicked, everything that is um, uh, selfish always leads to destruction. Always. Like everything that is about glorifying yourself and your own pleasures it's a never-ending hamster wheel and cycle of needing more of it. It's never enough until you simply cannot exist anymore because eventually you die out. That's why addictions become so horrid that people just like cannot function without the addiction and then they just become miserable in it. Godly things are not like that. The good is self-sustaining. God is enough for the meek. God is enough. Don't need anything from this world. So Daniel chapter 6, let's go through this very good example as well. Again, as I'm reading this to you, see the reflection in what's to come for us, very relevant to us, the current living generation and the beast system that is being implemented like as we speak, man, as each day goes by and with time increasing ever so fast, we are seeing this unfold daily in front of our eyes. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes. So this is like leadership positions, right? Which should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents of whom Daniel was first. So he sent, he set like 120 princes, which is like head army soldier people, head army, like lieutenant people. Because they, back in the day, like, People who were in the army were people who were actually very, very physically strong as well. Mighty men of valor, as they're called. So therefore, if you were physically very fit and capable, you were also promoted into these high positions because there was also constant war going on. It's not like today where a man thinks a job is typing on a, on a keyboard. No real men uh, like, like in prior times today anymore. But hey, a man's not a man anymore and a woman's not a woman, right? It's just nothingness. That's the new thing. It's chop yourself up and be a be an android. That's the cool thing. Be a machine. As is also written in Daniel. The fourth kingdom will mix with clay. The kingdom of iron will mix with clay, which is humanity. And what does iron do to clay? Which one is stronger? Clay or iron? Iron is stronger. So iron will destroy and defile the clay, human, flesh. 
you know, you, you can't like merge yourself with machine and think that that's going to work. It doesn't. You're defiling yourself, your God-made body. Don't do it. This body is holy, made in the image of God, made perfect, man and woman, made he them. And so over these 120 princes, he made three presidents over them, so like higher positions, which again was uh, Daniel, was the first. So now Daniel is literally the second-hand man in this entire kingdom, okay? And Darius was the new ruler of Babylon, by the way. Um, and over, so that the princes might give accounts unto them. So all of the princes had to report to Daniel, okay? And the king should have no damage. So he did this because, again, he knew the prominence, the importance of Daniel and what ability he had in God as God's prophet. Then this Daniel was preferred above all the presidents and princes because he had an excellent spirit that was in him and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. So like he literally was just like, you be my right-hand man, Daniel, because you clearly have an excellent spirit within you. You are protected by this almighty God and I want you, you know, like making decisions with me all the time. So of course, what happens? Uh, people got jealous, okay? People wanted to set him up. People in their own lusts, people in their own conceits, people in their own fleshly desires wanted to get rid of Daniel. Again, an innocent man, done no wrong, okay? Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion. So they're looking for a reason, right, against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find no occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error found or fault in him. You see, this is what I keep referring to you guys about being blameless. This is how when you're truly training to be a disciple, a saint of God, you are blameless, meaning that nobody can bring a railing accusation against you. That's what it means to no matter how wickedly people treat you, right, that you do not reward evil for evil. So they have no occasion. So basically, if someone comes and brings a false accusation against you, just like they did with Jesus, like there is nothing... You, you ask them, from what evidence do you have of this? And they have none other than they literally bring a, a lie occasion, right? Or they find a way to do that. And what did they do with Daniel? Well, because they couldn't find any error or fault in him because he was faithful. And again, he was also faithful to, who, to the work he was responsible for right, to Darius, not because Darius was a, a king and a president and you should submit yourself to the government, no, as I've told you before, it's that he was faithful to his responsibilities and duties in godliness, so again, it's not about being faithful to whoever is your manager, quote, in earth, it's about you being faithful and responsible to your duties to God, so that no matter who is above you in this earthly world, quote, in authority, so-called, you will behave as God expects you to behave. And therefore, you are blameless. And you have no fault in you. So then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning that, uh, the law of his God. So you see, they're like, the only, because he is perfect, because he does abide to God's commandments, as again, you see the spiritual law reflected in the physical, as God promised, like there is nothing they can fault him for because he's literally perfect. 
He can't do any wrong. He's not doing any wrong because he's following God's commandments. So therefore, the only fault they can find or the only occasion, if you will, to uh, to accuse him is to make it against the law of his God. Right. Because he's following. Keeping the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus, as I read to you earlier, is who the dragon will go after in the end times. And so. They're trying to set him up, right? So then said these men, we shall... um, Sorry, as I just read that. Then these presidents and princes assembled together. So now they're conspiring against him, right? Now they're coming together to conspire against him in a manner that is evil. They're planning to do evil. They assembled together and they went to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counsellors and the captains have consulted together to establish... A royal statute, which is what? A made-up law that they're just going to make through the king. And to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask of a petition, so who shall plead to, right, to make any request, that's a petition, to any god or man for 30 days, save of you, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. So basically they're saying... We're asking you to institute the death penalty for anyone who makes a uh, a request to any... Listen how they've snuck that in. To any god or any man. So they're making it seem like they're throwing in any god in there, right? But they're not... It's not just any man. Like, it's not just, oh, if they go and ask a request of any man except for you, the king. No, they're saying any man or any god, Right that he should be cast into the den of lions, meaning that he should receive the death penalty, because if you're thrown into a den of lions, literally meaning they'll lock you up in a cage full of lions, which can only result in one thing, you being utterly destroyed. So they're trying. there's trickery here. And do you see the resemblance to what we read in Daniel chapter 4 of what the Chaldeans did? It's that same snitch system. It's that same thing where the social credit score is going to motivate and incentivize people for their own sake, their own selfish desires to basically find occasion to um, to condemn the just, to condemn the godly. Do you see this? It's happened in history before, not only in the scriptures you're seeing here, but we've seen this throughout history in our other recent history in the last few hundred years. And that's what they're requesting of him. So now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing. So they're like, they're like basically saying, sign this new agreement. Again, making up laws as they go, which again is done today. And there's still people that actually think that voting and, you know, presidential things, elections is actually, there's n- I still can't actually believe that anyone believes that they, there's genuine democracy anywhere. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Please see beyond your idolatry of mere men and women in, posi- in these positions where they just flatter you with their lips and you're putting your lives into their hands instead of into the hands of who it belongs to already, your soul, both your body and your soul, which is God. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which alters not. So they had, you see, they're finding a way. It's like the whole, you know, high court thing. It's like, oh, we're finding a way with the current law system to basically write this decree, which we're going to write in a law which you're literally not allowed to alter. So it's like how people argue a lot today with the whole, you know, constitution in the US. It's like, guys, seriously, 
this constitution you guys are talking about, you make it as if it's an uneditable, uh, unchanging piece of paper, yet daily it is constantly being uh, altered and daily throughout everything that you've experienced in the last few years, you guys all experienced the same thing that all the rest of the world did with the abomination in the last years. And it and continues to do so. And you just simply believe that people are upholding these so-called... Um, uh, constitution when they're just going to make up and, and you'll see in future they'll just completely they'll do this they'll just say no it doesn't matter because we can use the state of emergency and just change whatever in fact they actually did that very recently on the amendment about um being able to defend yourself with arms so the second amendment so they there was a, literally a, a, i can't remember the name or whatever but it was some it was some a governmental woman in some state where there was a shooting of some sort uh, of a school once again and she literally put a state of emergency in and literally put ceased or or, uh, what's the word Um, she uh, like made it obsolete she basically stopped the second amendment I think she put it in for 30 days or something because of that because of that shooting So she was declaring for that entire state that no private person may own or use a gun for 30 days because of that thing. And all of the local, what, again, as we just read here, the local police, the local leadership, the local whatever, were supposed to implement it. And guess what? Some of them completely went ahead with it because they're the ones that look to themselves to benefit themselves. And then there were some that flat out said, no, we're not doing that. And it shows you get so you see all of it is changeable. Like it's just a facade that there's stuff like that you have these inbuilt rights that they're never going to be changed. No, don't you worry. The beast system is called a beast system for a reason. You will be treated like an absolute nothing number in this system, which is what this whole world is—the world of the devil. Like. He doesn't care about you. He wants to see you die and burn in eternal hell. He wants to see you suffering with him. He doesn't care about your life. Only God does. And it is God that people go around condemning. So he said that they've they've asked him to do this. And I also want to say uh, in Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, it says that he shall speak great words against the Most High that's what we just heard. They're speaking against the Most High because they're, they're making those that follow God's commandments to go against his commandments. So they're speaking against the Most High because they're putting in question his commandments. You are, you are punishing people for following God's commandments. So you're speaking against God and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. Key point, wear you out. How are they wearing you out? By making it so difficult to live in this world which again, many of us witnessed in the last few years. And he will think to change times and laws and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and dividing of time. And from my understanding, that means three and a half years. And that is is referring to, it would seem, to literally the tribulation period when it begins up until the three and a half year point until which uh, further things happen. But continuing on. And so that's also in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, I wanted to point out. Um, 
So the man of perdition, the son, this man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, again, talking about Antichrist here, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God. Again, exalting man-made law, exalting any human being, exalting any other thing, person, being, spirit, above that which is called God, above the only true living God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Okay, this is what they're doing. This, this, this is what the beast system does as well. That's why, that's why he's, they're even able to implement the beast system and therefore cause people to die who don't take the mark. A lot of people think, well, how would anyone allow that? Because he's going to exalt himself to the point that everyone is actually going to believe, oh yeah, this person is, is godly. This person is God on earth. This beast system is the answer because they don't look to God for the answer. Verse 9, wherefore King Darius signed the writing and the decree. So he went ahead with it. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his window being opened in his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. <laughs> this makes me smile and I'm like moved to tears because... This shows the boldness of his faith, okay? And that he literally has his window open and he's like, I literally couldn't care what kind of decree you sign. Like, the faith this man has, it just shows you how much he knows the truth in his heart. And, like, there's no amount of uh, physical persecution in this world that will ever, ever get him to deny God. And this is what shows you a man after God's heart or a woman after God's heart, a human after God's heart. That's what it means. Like, in his real deeds, he's showing how much he loves God. And so he did that like openly on purpose, bold faith. When he knew this was signed, he opened the windows in his chamber and he continued to pray three times a day to give thanks before his God as he did before. So it did not stop him. All right. And uh, that made me think of Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Um which says, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And yeah, couldn't be clearer than that. And I say that as a reminder again, and remember, I'm also always speaking to my, I'm not speaking at you. This is how I speak to myself as well. Okay. Um, remember that like in those moments where you might fear physical pain or torture, the, the only one to fear is the one that can destroy both your body and soul in hell, which, yes, is absolutely a real place. And no, there is no such thing as a purgatory in-between place where you can pray for people that have died already and that, you know, they can work their way outside of this purgatory place into heaven. That's all a lie sold to you by religious people who want you to glorify them, praise them, go to them, pay them to pray for you or whatever. It's absolute abomination. There's no such concept in the Bible. In fact, it's very clear in the Bible that you don't pray for the dead. It's very clear in the Bible that once someone has already died here in the physical, that, that you just, they, they're forgotten. You make no mention of them anymore. Now, what has happened to them, whether they've gone to hell or whether they've gone to the current heaven, like that's not for me to say, nor my place, nor do I know any such thing. Only God knows that. 
But the point is you're not supposed to keep trying to do something for them. That's why it's actually very clear in the account of uh, when David made that massive transgression against God and committed the sin of uh, adultery and murder uh, with Bathsheba. Very, it's so it's a very interesting thing to read, like because when you understand about David and how he was a man after God's heart, like just how out of character it seemed what he did, which shows you the strength of lust, the sin of lust. All it took was his eyes to gaze upon this woman, uh, naked. That was it, and all of this followed. So see how things, all sin, all iniquity, all lawlessness leads from just that initial taking of the bait which is often through the eyes, the lust of the eyes. And so that's what's led to him committing adultery and also murdering her husband uh, at the time. And then the baby that she had through this adultery uh, died, okay? Now, here's the thing. Whilst the baby was still alive, it was alive for uh, seven days, David, whilst the baby was alive, so born and was alive, he mourned, prayed and afflicted his soul so daily he would fast and he would pray and he would afflict his soul and sorrow showing his remorse showing his uh repentance okay to god in the hopes that perhaps god would change his mind for the destiny of the child okay so that the child would live but then after the child died he got up and then continued like with life and then everyone was curious like his uh his his uh you know leadership team or whatever were like this is so weird. While the child was alive, why weren't you here? You know, like spending time with the child and what have you. And uh, and now that the child is dead, now you stopped praying? Like, what is that? And he's like, well, because, and I'm paraphrasing, obviously, because I haven't got the scripture in front of me right now, but I just remember it so vividly. He's like, because it may be that God will, you know, have a change of heart and change of mind, like during that time that the child is still alive, whilst I'm showing my repentance from my, my sorrow and so on, and that he will uh, repent of the evil that he decided to do, right? So what he's saying to you is you're supposed to pray and help and edify and do that which you can whilst people are alive. You, you don't do it for the dead. It's just something really important to point out because there is this whole belief system that thinks that there is this thing called purgatory it's in one of the religions of the many thousand denominations, I can't even keep up, that literally go and pay these religious leaders to pray for these dead people, thinking that they can actually help them work their way into salvation after their death. No, guys, no. Scripture says none of the sort. They are already, part. it's too late as in now to do for you to do anything for them. It's too late. They have already reached their destination and their final destination will be decided as with everyone in the final judgment but they are absolutely if they were wicked and did not repent and did not um uh seek the mercy of god which of god again only god knows they may have on their deathbed then they then they will be with him internal with eternal life but if they didn't then yes they are in hell and yes hell is a place and no, people aren't just sleeping in the ground waiting the judgment. Hell exists right now today. We, no one just sleeps. Like the sleeping part is about the bodies because of the resurrection. But again, I'm, I'm just not going to go into all of this right now. But it was just the point that needed to be made. 
You warn, you pray, you help people whilst they are still alive. That's why the whole point of all of these warnings, like with these teachings, there's no point of me, um, you know, praying for people when they're, when they're already dead. That is not me doing any good. Me doing good is warning you while you're still alive, pulling you out of the fire before it's too late. And I hope you understand that as well in your own life and for those around you. And to not think that you, you don't need to do anything. And you can just hide that talent, that, that treasure that God gave you, uh, waiting upon his return, thinking that you don't have to do anything. Because every work, whether it be good or evil, will be judged by God, as it is said. And so then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God, which they knew he would do. So again, they're, they're setting him up, do you see? They're setting him up because they cannot find any fault with him. So now they're making it, they're making it so that they can make him a crim criminal. Again, how is this relevant to the new base system? We who want to keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus will be made criminals. That's why martyrdom is going to be a kind of like inevitable thing and not far-fetched whatsoever because you will be made a criminal people will hate us hate us for even believing or saying the name jesus then these men assembled and found daniel praying and making supplication before his god which is personal prayer making supplication is this uh, personal plea and petition to god um, then came they near and spoke before the king concerning the king's decree. So now they're bringing it to him with this so-called evidence, right? But they've, they've set this up. So listen to what happens. And they said to the king, Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within 30 days, save of you, as in not of you, if anyone basically asks a petition of a god or a man that's not you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions... O king, the king then answered and said, this thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which alters not. And now you see, he's not realized yet that they've fooled, they're trying to fool the king as well. They tricked the king, but he does realize it in a moment, as you'll see. Then answered they and said before the king, that Daniel, which is of the children of captivity of Judah, regards not you. He doesn't regard you, O king nor the decree that you have signed. So he's like disrespecting you, right? But he makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself. Listen, that's godly sorrow and contrite heart. So now his own heart is basically, his own conscience is condemning him. He's like sore displeased with himself when he heard that they're accusing Daniel, right? And he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, as in to save him out of this trouble. And he laboured till the going down of the sun to deliver him. So you see, he is king, he can do whatever he wants. But because he set this decree, which alters not, he has to also work around these laws, remember? So he's like, now he's working, like... He's saying like he's literally till the, he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him, like to ensure that Daniel does not actually end up uh, being uh, dying. And he's really troubled in his conscience, which is another way, by the way, that God, God convicts you and tests you. It's like, are you listening to that? If he wasn't going to listen to his own heart, which then condemned him, which told him, this is wrong. 
then he could have just like buried that away with drinking alcohol or taking some pills or, you know, going out and sleeping with lots of women. He could have done that. But no, he was like, no, not Daniel. Like, what have I done? What have I done? He was displeased with himself. He was realizing he was foolish and he didn't bother to do his research before just going ahead and doing what these people that he put in leadership positions told him. He didn't realize that that's what they were doing. But, but guess what? This is what all leadership so-called does today, is they exploit their positions of power because the worldly kingdom is a corrupt kingdom, right? God's angels who have high-ranking responsibility, they don't do such things. They only use their power for the good. And that takes a lot of, a lot of spiritual maturity. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and the Persians is that no decree nor statute which the king establishes may be changed. So now they're reaffirming, right? They're like, well, you sign this, so you're going to have to go ahead and do it. And do you see how they're just using lovely, flattering language? They're using that like legal jargon speak to make it sound like this is totally fine. So do you not see how this language is being used today as well to make it absolutely fine to basically have people be murdered and die for atrocious things. Then the king commanded and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. He's like, because he has to do as the decree is. Now the king spoke and said unto Daniel, thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den. So they locked, basically locked him in. And the king sealed it with his own signet. So he literally put something that only the king can put on. And uh, with the signet of his lords, the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Meaning they made it so that they put guards there and everything so that, you know, no one can basically let him out. Okay. However... Then the king went to his palace after he'd done all that and done as he had spoken because he has to keep his word. You have to do it. Uh, according to these decrees, then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. So he lit, he lit, he spent the night fasting, guys. Neither were instruments of music brought before him and he slept, his slept went from him. So all night he did not sleep. He was fasting. He was like concerned. He was troubled that Daniel be saved, right? Then he arose very early in the morning and went in haste, like he ran unto the den of lions, like he was so troubled that Daniel would be okay. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. A lamentable voice is like a, a very worried and sorrowful voice. He's like, Daniel, Daniel, are you there? And the king spoke and said, Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver you from the lions? So he's like in hope that this is the case, right? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouth, that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him, innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. So again, he's bearing a true witness of his innocence, and he's proclaiming that with the sword of the spirit, which is his word, right? The truth the sword of the spirit of the word of God. He's saying like, I've found, God has found no manner of hurt, nor um, no, no, uh, and, and he's found innocent in the eyes of God. So therefore he was protected from the lion's den. 
Then was the king exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. Again, faith to the end. Not because you'll be, you know, delivered from the lion's den. Maybe, maybe some of us will be, okay? Maybe some people will miraculously be delivered and they will have some miraculous way of avoiding all of these things. However, when the ultimate push comes to shove, when the ultimate point is, as in the very mark itself and the very point of he causes all, then the only inevitable is the death of his saints, okay? But can it be for you individually that there's some other saving way? Sure, but there is absolutely no, you know, general, broader promise that anyone's going to be, quote, raptured or removed from the earth, um, to not experience any persecution. That, that, that is just a lie. And as it says here in John chapter 15, verse 12 to 6, I wanted to go there. John, what did I say? 15, 12 to 6. Jesus speaking, um, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And what did I say? How did he love us? Through sacrifice, through giving his own life for us. That's the kind of love he's talking about, which is also the love of keeping God's commandments. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you, if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knows not what his Lord does, but I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known to you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you, that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give you. And so, when he says that your fruit should remain, he means remain when you're tried in the fire of the furnace, because it says we will be purified, like silver and gold are purified in a fire, like when a literal goldsmith purifies the gold in a fire, he puts the gold in the fire and the fire will like basically dissolve at a certain temperature anything that is not the pure gold off of it. And that's what he's referring to. He's saying anything that is wickedness and of evil works will be burnt in the fire and that which is remaining is your good fruits. And that's why it also says in scriptures that that which remains is your good works, which is where what you'll receive reward for. It says that. So it says it may, some will lose much. So if lot, a lot is burnt up in your purification, it means that your fruits aren't very good. You don't have a very big harvest, very big um, amount of good fruits. You haven't done much with the talent God gave you. Whereas if little is burnt up and you're left with lots of good fruits, he's saying that your fruit should remain. And whatsoever, therefore, you ask a father in my name, it may be given to you. And it says to him that has... Uh, to even him that has done well with that little that he has, to him much will be given, right? If you, if you do with responsibility, you do much with little what he gives you, then he will give you even more. And so um, I wanted to point that out in understanding why he's saying like, even your willingness to die for him is the point. It shows your faith. And the king commanded and they brought those men which accused Daniel. So now he's giving them... Uh, 
their judgment. And they cast them into the den of lions, them, them, their children and their wives. And the lions had the mastery of them and broke all their bones in pieces wherever they came at the bottom of the den. And guess what? They weren't protected. They weren't protected by their false gods. They weren't protected by their idols. Because no one can deliver except the one true living God. Then King Darius wrote unto all the people, nations and languages, so again, the whole world that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivers and rescues and he works signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. And that shows again as well the greater purpose, not only of the life of Daniel and his prophecies. And, and again, he was in captivity. You must remember this. Daniel was captive. He was a slave in Babylon. But even in that slavery, because he stayed committed to his uh, statutes and um, responsibilities to godliness. He was given high positions of authority within, world, within the world to show God's hand, to show God's authority and dominion, even in the midst of all the wickedness. So that was very important to point out. And so I also wanted to show you in Daniel chapter 7, another one, which is also in reference to uh, the book of Revelation and what's to come, which is the beast, one of the beasts. So Daniel sees a vision of four beasts, okay? And uh, what he's seeing is various kingdoms. And the very last beast he sees is the beast that we are yet to experience and see, which is the beast kingdom, the beast system, okay? With that, that's ushered in by the Antichrist. So chapter 7 of Daniel begins with, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and vision in his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spoke and said, I saw in my vision by night and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea and four great beasts came up from out of the sea, diverse from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked and it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon its feet as a man and a man's heart was given unto it. Now the beast that Daniel's is seeing is basically various kingdoms that we've already uh, had uh, throughout the earth, throughout the various centuries and decades, okay? And I'm not going to go through which ones they were, etc., etc. We're just going to get to the last one. And behold, another beast, a second like to a bear, and it raises up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it, between the teeth of it. And they said thus unto it, Arise and devour much flesh. So again, showing the various different kingdoms and how they ruled, okay? After this I beheld, and lo, another beast, like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl, and the beast had also four heads, and dominion was given unto it. Now after this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly, okay? And it had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Now, 
this is the kingdom, the iron kingdom that he saw. And this is the kingdom that leads into the beast system, the iron mixing with clay, leading into the end times, leading into the tribulation, leading into Armageddon and all the rest of it. I wrote here Revelation 17 verse 1. Let's go there quickly. Sorry, not uh, Revelation 17, verse 12. And the ten horns. So did you hear me just say it was ten horns? It had ten horns, this beast, okay? The fourth beast, which was diverse from all the other beasts. It's different. Why is it different? It, the beast that we're he's talking about is our one. The only one that's possible in the only generation possible, which is with the, the level of technology and AI and everything we have today. It's only possible because of the technology we have today, the worldwide connectivity, the ability to make everything digital, the ability to trace and track and surveillance everything, right? That's the difference. That's why it's so different. And do you see now how, why he sees these things in, in like these versions of beasts and stuff? Because if you'd have just said to him, it's technology, like he doesn't even know like what that, what you're talking about. So and it's so that every generation after that, even before us, would understand to some extent what it's talking about, okay? And so it says here, it had 10 horns. So what did it say? Revelation chapter 17, verse 12 tells us, the 10 horns which you saw are 10 kings which have received no kingdom as yet, but received power as kings one hour with the beast. So these are... Ten kings, which are global kings. They're going to be global rulers as part of what? The NWO and the One World Government. Okay. Which, by the way, we've been seeing, again, showing us, unveiling and uncovering itself, right? Literal unveiling, uh, uh, revealing what's been hidden in the occult, which was all these people that came out and started declaring decree decrees and laws, which have which are not rulers, they're not government in any of our countries, yet they seem to have rule to make laws on a whim, change laws. Yes or yes, was it not a, a world agreement that came out of nowhere from people that no one had ever heard of and all of a sudden everyone had to listen to them? Do you not see that that's what that's talking about? So I considered the horns and behold, there came up among them a little horn, before whom there was three of the first horns plucked up by the roots, and behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. And so the horns, as you see, they're representative of people, they're representative of kings, and it's saying that there was a little horn that were that was different as well, eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. What are the great things it's speaking? Let's go... Uh, again, correlation to Revelation chapter 13, verse 5. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things. Great doesn't mean good. Great just means big, bold things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue 42 months, which is about three and a half years. Again, we see that three and a half year reference. And also 2 Thessalonians 2, 4. The man of sin, 
Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, as in the day of the Lord Christ's second coming, except there come a falling away first. This is people... Who's going to fall away? It's not atheists. It's not non-believers. It's not the lost. It's people who were already so-called in Christ. People who are already supposedly in these religions, these denominations that claim to be of Christ, that claim to know, Je claim to know Jesus, that claim to believe in the Bible as the word of God. They will begin to be offended by the affliction they have to endure in the world because they were promised by their spiritual leaders or religious leaders that they don't need to suffer any affliction. God, we're not appointed to God's wrath. So no, like you don't have to lift a finger. You are just inheriting the kingdom. You have to do nothing. You have to prove yourself nothing. Okay. So they will be unwilling to suffer for Jesus' sake. They will be offended even by the idea to have to suffer for Jesus' sake. So their true hearts will be revealed. That's why there's a falling away first. This rebellion, they're going to be disgusted and annoyed they're like this is not what i signed up for yet at that same time as many people will leave the faith many new people will come into the faith those who are true and tried and understand that have the patience and the faith in tribulation to to suffer for jesus sake to know and understand that wow there is something in this look how many people are against against this Look how many people are against the commandments of God. Look how many people despise the name of Jesus. There's something in this. Is it because he is the truth? And they come to that revelation themselves because God reveals everyone to him, himself individually. I know Jesus is real. I know that Jesus is alive. I don't need anyone to prove that to me. I don't need anyone to sell him to me. He's not a cheap sales pitch. He's the king of kings, lord of lords. And so that man falling away first and that man of sin be revealed first. Everything will come first. The B system will come first. The Antichrist will come first. The, the tests, the trials, the going through the fiery furnace will be first. And then when does he return? He returns to reap for the harvest. He doesn't come in the middle of it. He comes to reap the harvest. He comes to separate the wheat from the tares. And so... The son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he is God sits in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. And that's what the abomination of desolation is. He's going to put himself as God. The beast system is God and you will not be allowed to pray to any other God, let alone the one true living God, because you're going to have to worship his image. That's the abomination of desolation. And so, continuing on, I beheld till the three thrones were cast down and the Ancient of Days did sit, which is another name for God. I love that one, the Ancient of Days, whose garment was white as snow and the hair of his head like pure wool and his throne was like the fiery flame and his wheels as burning fire. And I have reference here, Revelation one fourteen. Again, I bring like tears to my eyes just... From the joy of the Lord. Even in all of this, um, you, your joy is in God. This is what people need to understand. Like, I still have, even through all of my sorrow of the world, state of the world, I have so much joy in God. And yes, I have joy in the hope of salvation. The hope is always there, guys. The hope is the entire word of God and Jesus. And in his blessings and in his promises. 
I know God's word is true and his promises are true because I've experienced and witnessed them. Because I, I believe him. I trust in him. Like you do a spouse that you love. Like you do, you know, as an actual heavenly father. Like you do as someone who would lay your, their life down for you and did. And you would for them. But you know what? The world is so messed up today that no one knows that kind of love anymore. What they think love is today is whoever can uh, quench your thirst for lust, you know, for the next 20 minutes and looking at things as, as body counts and this and that. Like body count is a term used for number of people killed. And that's what people use today as, as a flaunt of how many people they've committed um, uh, abominations with, that they've fornicated with. It's just, it's just sad, man. It's just sad the way the world is. That's why the judgment is inevitable. Like it, it just, it, we, it's going to keep getting worse. Like with the increase of knowledge, guys, you can't. Once people have knowledge of things, it just doesn't s cease. So with technology, just came all of this stuff that is just making things worse. And the only way, individually, there is much you can do, but on a on a mass scale. The people that follow the world, they follow the world and they're going to do what the world says to do. Just follow lustly desires until your own death. To the point that people think that it's actually a good thing to chop up your own body and cut pieces of yourself out and call it cool for a few likes, for a live stream, make yourself 15 minutes of fame. Just don't. Just realise that Life is spiritual. It's not just this body. You're not going to cease to exist. There's life after this life. There's more to life than just a body. I mean, haven't you even just seen like how your own body heals, like when you cut yourself? Haven't you seen like the miracle that that is? It's God's creation. Like you're God's creation, and you're supposed to honor that. You're supposed to want to seek Him. Everyone has it in them. That was. Everyone has that little spark in them where they're like, this, this can't be life. Like, there must be something different. That They're always seeking some kind of knowledge of the truth. But in that seeking, don't delve down into the, into the rabbit hole of lies, of Satan. There are many people that I know that are truth seekers. And so their intent is good. And I can tell that, like, and a lot of them didn't fall for the foolishness of the last few years. But they are denying the truth of God because they've probably been hurt by their, the religions they grew up in. But remember and understand that God is not a religion and he never taught a religion. And stop blaming God for the hurt that people did to you. Just stop. If you're truly a truth seeker, know and understand that the word of God is the truth. And do as I did, with absolutely no bias and no intention either way. Just pick up a Bible and start reading it yourself. And the work of God will be done on you. The Holy Spirit will do its work on you if you truly are a truth seeker, as you claim to be. Because you've got to keep reading and going. It's not like I didn't just read the first two chapters of Genesis. I'm like, oh, well, I'm born again. I'm saved. No, you've got to keep reading. You've got to keep um, investigating. And then like you build your faith on that and your unbelief will start to be removed your unbelief will start to be like removed because it is all unbelief. It's all unbelief in the truth. 
And yes, belief matters. Belief is an extremely powerful thing. Belief is not just an idea, a concept in your head. Belief is directly linked as to whether or not you believe in that which is true, the invisible God. And that requires belief because you cannot see him. That's why it requires belief. You can't physically see him. He's an invisible God. And we'll only be able to see his face when we are transfigured into new bodies, when he comes for the millennial reign and the new heaven and the new earth. We're going to be different. We're not going to be human anymore. And in that, because we'll be in spirit, we'll be able to look upon his face. And then you'll realise, like, how wrong you were about everything. You don't want it to be that. You don't want it to be the reason you're seeing his face in regret and remorse of realising it's too late and him reading out the books of judgement and then casting you to eternal hell. You want to be looking upon him with joy and saying, like... Thank God, like bless the Lord God, holy, faithful and true, that you led me to you and you didn't let me go. And that I held steadfast in the faith and endured till the end so that I can inherit eternal life and be with you. And so continuing in Daniel 7 verse 10, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousands of thousands ministered unto him and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were opened. Again, just imagine being Daniel receiving a vision of the literal end of all things. Like, wow. Um, And with that, I'll reference, uh, take you to Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. Is it? Yeah, Rev 7, 9. Where it says, after this I beheld and lo, a great multitude which no man could number, like so so that many people, of all nations and kindreds, kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. So this is what Daniel's saying, where he said he saw... A fiery stream came from before him, and thousands upon thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousands times ten thousands stood before him. The judgments were set, and the books were opened. So he's saying like this, the thousands were seeing that without number ministered to him. Those are the ones that stood before him, uh, praising him. And then there's the ones that stood before him to be judged, where the books were opened. Well, where do we see that? We see that in Revelation chapter 20, verse 12. Where it says, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, this is the second death. So you see how there's multiple deaths and it's the second death that um, is the eternal lake of fire. But before that, anyone that was already dead and and was already uh, not born again or, or, you know, died in their sin and their wickedness, then yes, they're in hell. They're not in just some non-existent sleep and they're also not in this fake purgatory world where you here on earth can give money to a person to help save them. Ludicrous. 
And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so, for some reason here, I've also written Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. Oh, let's go there quickly then. Which says, At that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which stands for the children of your people, which is he protects spiritual Israel. That's uh, Michael the archangel, one of the highest uh, responsible angels in God's army. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same. So this is talking about the tribulation. It's going to be it's so horrid. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, everyone that's found in the book, written in the book of life. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Okay? So this is talking about the two resurrections. The first resurrection is unto eternal life. That's the people who first awake in the millennial reign. So that's for a thousand years, those who already died, plus those who are still alive and living, by the way. So again, you see how it's referring to the dead. There's still going to be multiple billions of people living on earth. And what's with those people? Well, that's the thing. Like people still have a constant opportunity for repentance, those that are alive. They don't just get killed for nothing. If they decide to go into the battle of Armageddon, then they die with that, for example. But if they're still just lost, if they're still just like walking around, uh, they're not even aware of anything. They're not aware of the devil. They're not aware of God. They're not aware of that. Then there's still like opportunity for them. Like This is also the reason why even during the millennial reign and even during the new heaven and the new earth, it consistently says that no, in no wise shall anything enter into the kingdom of God that defiles neither whatsoever works abomination or makes a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. So why would it say that if there isn't anything on the earth that could do those things? You see? So, but I'm not going to go too even deeper in that else. It's a whole other teaching, but consider that. And so I beheld them. I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spoke. So he was watching this this person, this Antichrist, which was speaking these great blasphemies, right? I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. This is a, it also talks about there's three various beasts referred to in the book of Revelation. It talks about a beast, it talks about a false prophet, and then it talks about the dragon himself thrown into the lake of fire. That's three persons, right? Thrown into the burning flame. As concerning the rest of the beasts... They had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. Which talks about basically the other kingdoms. So it's saying like there's, this is all the nations that still have opportunity for repentance, which we see throughout all the book of Revelation again, when all the plagues are being poured onto them. They have the opportunity to repent, but they don't. The majority of them just blaspheme God because of the, the physical pain they're getting from all of the plagues instead of giving glory to God as they should, okay? Uh, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, which again is Jesus, he's, he's always given Son of Man and Son of God. Why? Because he was both fully man and fully God, okay? That's why he has two of those titles, because it's in capital letter Son of Man, right? Um, he was fully man and fully God. He's the only being ever to exist that did that that's why jesus 
God come in the flesh is what is professed if you're a true believer. And if you don't profess that, that's why it's, John says you're an antichrist. Because the son of man means that he was physic, fully human, subject to all the same temptations as us. But he was also fully God because he was born of God. Mary had no, it wasn't with man. It was, it was uh, the Lord that impregnated her, right? And so he was fully God and fully man. Again, all of the Gospels will explain all of that to you, but I'm not getting into that now. But that's just so you understand the two names. He came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days and they brought him near before him. So remember I was telling you in the other episodes how it talks about in the book of Revelation both Yahweh and Jesus, both the Father and the Son, how the Father is sitting on the throne and the Son is sitting on his right hand and it's talking about both of them and clearly showing how Jesus is also God by showing that everybody was giving the worship that they gave to the Ancient of Days, to Yahweh, on the throne, were giving that same worship to the Lamb, Jesus. Okay, that, that's why you're, you're seeing that, the Father and the Son. As he says, those who accept and believe on the Father, on the Son, have also the Father, and those who don't, don't, right? And there was given to him dominion, and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. That's talking about God's kingdom, which he will come and rule. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit, no kidding, in the midst of my body and the visions of my heart head troubled me. I came near unto one of them that stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made me know the interpretation of these things. These great beasts which are four are four kings which shall rise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. And that's talking about the saints shall reign with God. It tells you that in the book of Revelation, that the saints will reign. I was reading that to you guys in... Um, uh, chapter 5 of Revelation. He has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Okay? That's, that's the inheritance of the saints. We shall reign with him when we work out our faith with fear and trembling. It's not a guarantee. Remember that. Uh, where was I? Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast which was diverse from all the others, remember the one about the Iron Kingdom, exceedingly dreadful, whose teeth were of iron and his nails of brass, which devoured broken pieces and stamped the residue with his feet. Do you, so do you see how he's explaining the type of kingdom it is? It's a destructive kingdom. It destroys everything. It will make a completely new world order. It will destroy also man because it's going to mix with clay and clay does not mix with iron, does it? And what's stronger, iron or clay? Iron. Therefore, iron will, of course, subdue, make war with the saints, the true human beings, the true people of God, and will, will overcome them. In the physical, in the flesh, but not in the spirit, if you trust in God. Uh, then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceedingly dreadful, whose teeth was of iron and his nails of brass, which devoured broken pieces and stamped the residue with his feet. 
and of the ten horns that were in his head, and of them other which came up, the little one, whom the three fell, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows. So that's another important thing what people don't understand is like the Antichrist or anyone that is wicked but that is worldly and receives worldly things from the devil. They're not like, they're not obviously evil. They're good at persuasion. They're good at flattery. Okay, that they're nice to look upon, probably even attractive, right? People adore them. Like, that's what he means when he's saying that. That's what I've got put here. Um, what did I write here? Revelation 13, verse 7. Like, that's, that's what it means, like, you can be deceived by it because this person will come preaching peace and prosperity, And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. So global power. And he, it was given to him to make uh, war with the saints. And he prevailed. What do you think that means? He prevailed, guys. It doesn't mean you're going to be raptured. It means you're going to have to show your love for Christ. I beheld and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them, as I just read to you in Revelation, so now we're back in Daniel verse 21. Until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the kingdom came that the saints possessed a kingdom. Now, let me explain that to you in Revelation chapter 6, verse 9. We see this, where the saints that have already uh, died in the physical um, and are with God in the heavens says here, When he had opened the seal, the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain, so killed for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Okay? These are people killed for the word of God and the testimony which they held, which is the testimony of Jesus. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true? Do not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth. So they're awaiting justice. Remember, vengeance belongs to God. And white robes was given unto every one of them. And listen to this part. This is what you must understand if you're alive and exist on the earth today. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were, should be fulfilled. Did you hear that? It means the fellow servants as them who were martyred for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus should also be killed as they were, that it should be fulfilled. So God is literally awaiting on the completion of a specific number of martyr roles on earth. Like until that number is completed, then his return is not coming. Now, my point with that is that that is, as I said to you, that is your option. If you're existing on earth and the B system is here and in full swing, your only alternative is death in Christ.
So that's why it says, until the Ancient of Days come, and judgment is given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. So do you not see how the death of this life is not... That's why he's saying don't fear that. Don't fear the man that can kill you here. Fear the one that can destroy both your soul and body in hell. Because when you overcome that death, then you inherit the kingdom with God. Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth, guys, the whole earth, global, and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. So why is it, do you not see how it's very, very aggressive and violent? Okay, so it will be aggressive and violent, hence why no one will have an issue with people being beheaded and things like that. They just won't have an issue with it. Also to the point, that's another thing, uh, again, I can't go into detail, but that's another thing that they're always sort of preparing you and showing you the the perverted version in their movies, because remember, all movies are from Satan. He runs the Hollywood industry. But he's always giving you his version of the story. Nonetheless, he's showing you some elements of it, which is that that's why they're showing you things like zombies and apocalypses and stuff because people will literally be tearing each other's flesh people will turn into monsters people that take the mark of the beast people that are fully embedded in it will also be receiving these plagues from god which will be physical plagues they'll have physical boils all over their bodies it will be disgusting to look upon they will become cannibalistic like that's why they show you that in movies and also another thing is a big one with the whole uh, falsity of aliens. Aliens aren't real. Aliens are demons. Um, so please don't try to connect with aliens and think that they're your star family or something. Aliens are demons, okay? But there's this whole twisted thing that they show you in movies where, like, alien invasions, like, where they show you... What do they usually show you in the movies? They show you a sh some kind of mothership, right, that's floating in the air, just think, uh, what's a really old-fashioned one that's uh, really popular? Is it called Armageddon? I want to say Armageddon. Yeah, I want to say Armageddon. Also, the fifth element, pretty big. That's actually a pretty big one that shows a lot of this too. And many others. iRobot, you know. Um, uh, there's even one called uh, District 9, which is probably less known, but that shows you a lot of that too, which is like this merging of man and machine, merging of man and beast. Uh, showing like this, you know, the ship of the aliens in the sky. Um, there's many others that, 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 that are just, I'm not coming to my memory now because I haven't watched movies in years and I don't recommend it. But the usual is that they show you the ship flying in the air and the enemy is the ship and humanity is supposed to come together against this alien attack, right? But the way that they're showing you these alien attack in the movies is what they're actually showing you is the God of the Bible, and the saviour of the world, Jesus, is the enemy. And so when you actually read what the new heaven and the new earth look like, and when you re read uh, the kingdom of God, how it comes from the heavens down to earth, it will be in the sky. They're preparing you literally to, to see and think that that which is in the sky, that's another one, Elysium is another movie where they're literally, they're showing you this like thing in the sky, which is a kingdom, Again, there's the, in Fifth Element, they have Flost and Paradise, which is a place you go to. Like, again, it's an amazing world, perfect. Like, again, they're showing you a deceptive version of the heavenly kingdom of God coming down to earth. 
but they're making it so that everyone on earth despises it and despises God because he is evil, because he's just left the earth to be this, this, this like waste town place, right? But you don't understand the people that are left on earth are the people that denied God. That's why they receive all the plagues. That's why they, they, they took the mark of the beast. So they're receiving their own delusion and wickedness. But they show you in these movies that that which you're going to see in the sky and that thing is an alien attack and it's this horrible evil God that judges and he's like condemning the earth and he's causing these diseases in the earth and they're making it seem like that he's who you should be against. And why do they show you that in these movies? That is preparing the army that's going to come and fight against God, literally in what's called Armageddon in Revelation chapter 19 which uh, I will read out to you briefly here, which says from chapter 19, verse 19 to 21, And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth, okay, and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. Talking about to make war against Jesus, all right? So this is people that have been convinced that God is evil, that Jesus is uh, the wicked one, and that they can actually win against a battle against the only true living god these are that deceived so they're with the beast right they are with the devil um but you know this is short-lived of course because of course god will god's kingdom endures forever and this is fruitless so it says here and the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought the miracles before him which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image These both were cast alive into the lake of burning fire with brimstone and the remnant, so the people. So the beast and the false prophet were, were, and the people that worshipped the image were cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. And then the people who came willingly to the battle to want to be against Jesus, to want to kill Jesus, right? So they're literally enemies of God, were both, uh, the remnant were slain, were killed uh, with the sword of him that sat upon the horse. So they were killed by Jesus, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Now, it's very interesting when it says the sword came out of his mouth, because it's the sword of truth. And that's why it says it, he divided them with a fire out of his mouth. Because the word of God is what, con- is what uh, condemns you, as uh, Jesus says in the book of Matthew. He says, I didn't come to judge the world, because the, uh, the word judges you. Because you, you read the word and you believe not the truth. You denied it because you loved your own wickedness, right? So that's just a brief thing on that, but I could say much more on that. And so that's why it says, um, thus the four beasts, uh, the fourth beast in the fourth kingdom, which shall be diverse from all the kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. And the ten horns out of the kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall rise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first, and shall do three kingdoms. And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints. What does it mean to wear out the saints? It means that you're being tested. God is also testing your heart. Don't think he doesn't use the, the situations of the world to test you, to see how little or how much it takes for you to deny him and deny his name. Hopefully, none at all. And in that, you're constantly praying that he strengthens you in courage and faith. That's why it also says that the fearful, the, 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 the cowards, will be thrown into the lake of fire. Cowards too. 
A coward is someone with no faith in God. And you shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change the times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and a dividing of time. Again, understood as three and a half years. But the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and to destroy it till the end. That would be Jesus' second coming and the destruction um, the, the destruction of the kingdoms of this earth. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. This is the millennial reign of which the saints will reign with Jesus. Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cognition, my cogitations much troubled me and my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. So no wonder, man, Daniel received a vision of the end of the earth, literally. Like, wow, just wow. And so, again, even more, there's so much more to read in the book of Daniel. There's even more, but I can't, like, again, to make this a fruitful one session, I wanted to focus this on you, the understanding that you can see that God has clearly given us, given us mercy and given us wisdom and understanding in the scriptures to show us exactly how throughout history this has happened and how it's going to look like in the B system and therefore how to be prepared. And so let me read fully Revelation 13 to you so that you understand what we've gone through and what you need to be prepared for. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the names of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet was as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon, Satan, gave him his power and his seat and great authority. So this is spiritual power to humanly figure, right? A figure of authority. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. So this is the showing signs and wonders so that people will believe in him and say like oh this person must be powerful and godly because look at the miracles and this is also why jesus told and rebuked the nation saying this is an evil and wicked generation that looks for a sign so don't look for signs and wonders you have faith and trust in the word of god else you will be deceived by signs and wonders and they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast. So you see first how they're worshipping Satan himself, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast as well, saying, who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? So they're attacking God's kingdom, literally from earth, right? So they're literally saying again, who is like unto this beast? Just like King Nebuchadnezzar was saying, like, who is your God that can deliver you from my hand? They're doing the same thing. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies and power was given unto him to continue 42 months, three and a half years again. There we see it. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And so he's, again, very clear, has the knowledge of God and consciously blasphemes his name. And his tabernacle, which is, means his home, a tabernacle is like a tent, it means your home, so God's kingdom. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. 
So why is he saying that? It means that the test of the saints is that we are overcome physically, but we are not overcome spiritually. As in the death of his saints are precious in his sight. Like, I just hope you're understanding that. Like, when I come to understood that, because before I wasn't sure if maybe there's some way we'll get around the mark, you know, that we'll be able to live outside of society or something. But no, man, that's that's not the case. Like, you have to come to terms with it. And again, no one can decide that for themselves. God decides who who is martyred. But at the end of the day, if we are the last generation, we have to at least be prepared for it. You have to be spiritually and physically preparing yourself for being overcome. Physically. And power is given to him to all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. Shall, you see, it's like it's an inevitable. It's like it will come to pass. Whose names are not written in the book of life. And of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So if your name is written in the book of life, it means what? It means that you will be like, you're willing to do that. You're willing to die for Christ because that's what it means to actually pick up your cross and follow him. That's what it means to show you you love him. To show him you love him. If any man hear, have an ear, let him hear. Listen, he that leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He that kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Why does he say that? Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Because as you're being worn out, tried and tested here on earth, okay, you're going to be like, well, how is this fair? How is this okay? Why are they prospering? Why are they getting away with it? They're not. He's saying, he that leads into captivity, so he that enslaves others shall be enslaved himself. He that kills with the sword will also be killed with the sword. What they're saying here is that people that shed innocent blood will have their own blood shed. As in your patience and the faith of the saints is that you do not take vengeance of yourself and you do not look upon the situation and question God's judgment. Your faith and your patience is in knowing that they will receive judgment in the way in which that they have committed their atrocities and the wickedness. And to not reward evil for evil, okay? This is like, you you have to come to understand that being overcome means being martyred in Jesus' name. Meaning that by no means will you take the mark. And if it means that you cannot do anything when you don't take the mark, well, what is the inevitable outcome then? Death. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb. And he spoke as a dragon, and he exercised all the power of the first beast before him. So you see how this is three persons. And caused the earth of them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he does great wonders, so that he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in sight of men. So you see, he's going to look like he has all this mighty power. And even that, to be honest, you can think of, uh, again, with heights of... Remember, it's always a counterfeit. So he's going to be doing spiritually powerful things, but through what? 
through means that he's created as counterfeits and artificial on earth. So again, think of technology. Think of like weather manipulation. Today, there is technology that literally can manipulate weather to a huge extent, causing floods, causing hail, causing uh, tornadoes and so on. That can look like miracles um, and great signs and wonders, okay? He's going to do this in the sight of men and deceive them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles, which he had power to do, right, in the sight of the beast. Why does he have power in the sight of the beast? Because you only have the knowledge of evil because it's given to you by Satan, it's given to you by the beast, is given to you by your so-called downloads of your great business idea, of your vain and evil imaginations, of which you then create these very things that implement it, like chips that go into someone's brain, right? Like full surveillance and technology that creates artificial digital currency and so on and so forth. All of these things can be classed under that. Saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. So again, here I could say, like, make an image. Is it a statue? Well, think of today's world. Would it not be a digital image or a robot that comes to life? How does it come to life? Well, a digital image can speak like an avatar, like today. It's becoming literally in, uh, indistinguishable between uh, an AI video, like, of somebody versus the real person, right? And same with physical robots, are becoming more and more lifelike. They're making them appear flesh-like and human-like. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many would not worship the image of the beast that should be killed. Very clear, right? And he causes all, not some, not a select few, he causes all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell, save he that has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that has understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six, or... 666. Now people go on and on and argue about what is the mark, you know, who is the Antichrist, what is the beast, and so on and so forth. But as I just explained to you, and as you can see, and this is the whole purpose of this episode, is that the entire beast system is what you need to look at. It's not just who is the one person. It is the very fact that your day-to-day life is going to be afflicted to the point that you have to choose between life and death in order to worship this beast and take his mark or not deny the one true living God and be a martyr of Jesus Christ. As in, if this is your way to, to, for your life to end on this earth, then so it may be, so it should be. Like, I came to terms with that through much like revelation and tears and understanding that that's what that says. It's not a maybe. And the more you read through Book of Revelation, it's not just written in one place and not just written in the Book of Revelation, by the way, it's written throughout all the scriptures, in understanding that that's what that means. 
like Christ died for you, are you willing to die for him? This is what it means to lay down your life, to not love your life to the death. Precious in his sight is the death of his saints. So that's what I wanted to share to un- for you to understand, that you don't get uh, worked up into what exactly the, the, the mark is. Is it a chip? Is it a tattoo? Is it an ink? Is it a app? Whatever it is, right? It is very clear whatever the actual mark is. Is that you're taking it or you're consenting to it. The, that's the thing you have to understand so that you're not deceived. Is that the differentiator is there is going to be a point in which without this mark, whatever it is, you will not be able to function in society. You will not be able to buy or sell, meaning you will not be able to buy yourself food, shelter yourself. You will not be able to sell, meaning you won't be able to work either. Which means death. But of course, because without those things, you cannot survive. You might survive some years again in the wild. But inevitably, it's going to get to you. Because remember, this he causes all, whole world. That's why it's a world kingdom, a world dominion, a world ruler, and a world beast system. That's why they they, uh, invade certain countries that they call developing countries. And then they set up all these things. You know, the place that is most set up for this beast system right now is what we are called the Western world. All of Europe and all of the North Americas. We are perfectly set up for the beast system already. Perfectly. So if anyone's going to experience it first, it's us. Because it's already ready. They literally could just switch this on tomorrow if they wanted to. It's there. We have the technology built in. And unfortunately, it's that, you know, so-called advanced civilizations, which unfortunately means we're advanced for the beast system. But the, quote, developing countries are the ones that have a bit more grace in time because they still have lots of just woodland. They have, not everybody has the internet. Not everyone has a mobile phone, right? Not everything is done electronically. People still do things by, uh, you know, physical handwriting, physical contract, physical cash. That's why they keep wanting to invade those places and to bring in, as they call, democracy into those places and, and claim that they have local terrible leaders and local... Uh, governments that need to be overthrown and they're going to bring in democracy and they're going to bring in the Western technology that's going to help save them. And actually what they're doing is bringing, bringing the beast system because the beast wants his eyes, the devil wants his eyes available everywhere. And because he's not omnipresent as God, he can only do that through physical means because he is a physical created being. He's limited like everyone else. So he does that through having eyes through technology, surveillance. That's why putting up all these towers and all the constant advancement of internet, we don't need, no one needs no faster internet. It's fast enough. It's not to make fast internet. It's so his eyes are everywhere and upon everyone and everything. And so that's the main thing you have to understand is that you'll know it's the beast system. You'll know it's the mark when 
your alternative to not taking it is literally you are unable to feed yourself. You are unable to function in society. It's not just some random small thing. And that's why you can see, though the thing that recently happened that you put in your arm in the last years was not the mark, because we were still able to buy and sell. You can see, however, how it was clearly a precursor because we got pretty close to that. We got pretty close to that. And so may this bless those who have the ears to hear and who understand that that's what that means. And I just wanted to read out uh, in sort of addition to that why speaking these things as well is so important in this way. From Ezekiel chapter 33, with all the deception going on in the world, I just want to show you um, what Ezekiel was told is the duty of a watchman. And I'm not saying that every believer has the duty of a watchman, but we do when we have the knowledge of God, when we have the knowledge of the truth and we don't say it, when we hide it, when we bury it, then the following could be classed into our judgment. And I just want you to be aware of this, as am I, which is why I put in all this hours of effort to to teach this and share the truth with people. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, speak to the children of your people, saying unto them, when I bring the sword upon the land, which is the sword of judgment. So God speaking, when I bring the sword upon the land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set him for their watchman, if when he sees the sword come upon the land, he blows the trumpet and warns the people. So warning people of coming judgment, giving the time for repentance, right? Then whosoever hears the sound of the trumpet and takes not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. So this is the, the, the fairness and the equity in showing you the, the importance of eyewitnesses and testimony in God's judgment. He heard the sound of the trumpet and he took no warning. His blood shall be upon him. So this is the same thing, like every time you hear uh, a prophetic word of all of the word of God, all the true prophets in God's Bible, in God's scriptures, and you don't take them seriously, you don't take the warning that your blood is upon your own head. Same with today, if you listen to a teaching like this and you don't take it seriously and you just think that I'm the foolish one, I'm deceived, that I should should be believing, uh, always once saved, always saved, whatever, Blood is upon your own head. That's what it says here. Okay. But he that takes the warning, as in you take it seriously, so therefore you repent. He that takes warning shall deliver his own soul. So this is to be on the right side of the judgment, as in you can still get out alive, so to speak. But listen to this. But if the watchman sees the sword come and blows not the trumpet, and the people be not warned... If the sword comes and takes any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. So yes, the person is still taken away in his own uh, sin. But on top of that, his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So you see how there's two judgments there. So the person that doesn't take the warning uh, or isn't even warned is still going to be taken in their iniquity because, again, nobody here is with excuse as Romans 1 tells you, all of creation shows you the glory of God and people know through your own conscience that God exists and you're denying him 
uh, on purpose, right? You're denying him because you want to follow your own lusts. You love wickedness, right? You love the darkness. But he's saying there is an additional judgment in that the person that has the knowledge, with that knowledge comes responsibility. His blood will be required at the watchman's hand, okay? So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, you shall hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die, if you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will require at your hand. And this is to all of you that say and proclaim you are in Christ, that you're born again, and you don't warn the people around you, then that's what it's saying here to you. And this is also to the shepherds of the flock, to all so-called religious leaders, pastors, preachers, so on and so forth, who just stand at that pulpit taking your money and telling you false lies because all they want is that you keep putting money in their pockets and paying for their mansions and their jets. This is what it says about you too. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he does not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have you delivered your own soul. See? So... It's very important to understand that. Like, there is responsibility with that knowledge. So you're not just saving your own soul in turning away from your own iniquity and turning towards God and walking as Jesus walked and so on. But it also becomes your duty to warn the wicked when you see them doing wickedly. That's what all of this is. And that's why that's why I don't take like it personally, who listens, who doesn't, who who's... Uh, who's going to pay attention to this or isn't or whatever, because that's on you. What's on me is that I actually warn you and I tell you the truth that's written in scripture in amidst all of the lies in this earth. Okay. And so I also wanted to read out to you um, Ezekiel 34 verses 2 to 6 with regards to the shepherds. It says... Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them. So these are the people who claim to be leaders of the flock, who claim to be spiritual leaders, right? The teachers shall receive greater condemnation. It says, thus said the Lord uh, God unto the shepherds, woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat and you clothe yourselves with wool. You kill them that are fed, but you feed not the flock. The diseased have not have you not strengthened, neither have you healed them which were sick, neither have you bound up that which was broken, neither have you brought against that which was driven away, sorry, neither have you brought back those thing those that were driven away, neither have you sought that which was lost, but with force and with cruelty have you ruled them. And they were scattered, because there is no shepherd, and they became meat to all beasts of the field. When they were scattered, my sheep wandered through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth and none did search or seek after them. And this is kind of like the whole point of this is like using the Internet and putting out teachings like this. Like all corners of the earth can reach this information if they're willing and if God leads them to it. And this is the way I search and seek after the flock. To help people come to the knowledge of God, the word of God, even in the places, like I said, where, you know, the word of God is banned. People are persecuted today in certain areas of the world for even believing in the name of Jesus. 
which is a lot of things that the Western world doesn't understand in their comfort. And so this is the judgment as well in understanding the shepherds that claim to be shepherds, and all they're doing is feeding you lies. Remember, the prosperity preachers that tell you that that God just wants you to be rich and famous and all the rest of it, like, you believing them, like, they're going to have their judgment, but you're going to have yours too for believing in their lies and instead denying warning that you receive in such teachings as mine. And in chapter 34, verses 16 to 25, I also want to explain how Jesus is coming for his lost sheep of Israel, which is all of us, that's spiritual Israel, and how he's going to also separate between his flock, the goats from the sheep. I will seek that which was lost and bring again that which was driven away and will bind up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick. But I will, I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will feed them with judgment. And as for you, O my flock, so God's people, thus said the Lord God, behold, I will judge between the cattle and the cattle, between the rams and the he goats. So this is judgment begins with the the believers first do you really believe or are you lukewarm seemeth it a small thing unto you to have eaten the good pasture but you must tread down with your feet the residue of your pastures and to have drunk of the deep waters but you must foul the residue with your feet so he's saying like you're receiving the gift you're receiving uh the talents I gave you and instead of being fruitful and multiplying it you've buried it and you've done nothing with it instead you've just used it in your own life to glorify yourself and to uh, get worldly things but you have not bothered to actually um, to 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 help your brethren to help your sisters to help those in need to do that which is right to love others as Jesus has loved one another right to to do so um in good conversation, in good works, right? As James says, like, it's not this positive vibe things like, God bless you, yeah, I'll pray for you. And then you walk past them whilst they're, you know, they don't even have shoes. Like, no, it's like, is it shown in your deed or not? As for my flock, they eat that which you have trodden with your feet and they drink that which you have fouled with your feet. Therefore, thus said the Lord God unto them, behold, I, even I, will judge between the fat cattle and between the lean cattle, because you have thrust with side and with shoulder and pushed all the disease with your horns till you have scattered them abroad. Therefore will I save my flock, and they shall no more be a prey, and I will judge between cattle and cattle. So this is between those that are selfish. Um, they're not giving to those who, who have less. They're, they're, yeah, they're not of a giving heart. They're, they're selfish. They're still of the world. They're just pretending to be godly. They took God's gift and buried it. And I will set up one shepherd over them and he shall feed them. Even my servant David, he shall feed them and he shall be their shepherd. And that is, of course, referring to the one, uh, the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I also want to go to, I wrote here, Daniel 11. Start that book of Daniel. You really, you must read it and ask God to give you revelations as he so bestowed upon me all glory be to god daniel 11 verses uh 31 to 37 i wrote here this is about the abomination of desolation and again showing you how 
just it's all about you keeping the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus don't that's where the battle is that's what the antichrist and the beast system is against and when you realize that because in that is a spiritual battle with physical uh implications but it's nonetheless a spiritual battle when you realize that that's what they're after to wear you out so that you will no longer keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus then you can be better prepared for that spiritual battle and arms shall stand on his part and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength they shall take away the daily sacrifice remember your daily prayer and praise to god and they shall place the abomination that makes desolate and shall such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries so those that do wickedly will be rewarded right that's already the case today. Those who are just and meek, they are destroyed by this world. And those that are wicked shall be corrupted even more with flattery and riches. But the people that do know God, the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And they that understand among the people shall instruct many, yet they shall fall by the sword and by flame and by captivity and by spoil many days now when they shall fall they shall be helped with a little help but many shall cleave to them with flattery so you see this is talking about the purification this is talking about so there's those that are going to be instructing many they're going to be teaching they're going to have understanding and they're going to be out there giving warning but they're going to many of them fall by the sword many of them are going to have to be martyred many of them are going to be afflicted they're going to die and though many of them are also going to fall and fall away. Some are going to be helped with a little help. Some are going to be therefore purified. They're going to pick themselves back up and they're going to take their cross and they're going to keep going. But some shall cleave to the to the uh, wicked with flatteries. They're going to buy into the flattery. They're going to be worn out. And some of them of understanding shall fall. Again, to be tested. It says to test them, to try them and to purge to purify, to make them white, even to the time of the end, because it is yet for a time appointed. So why is he doing this? So you will be ready. Martyrdom is no joke. Death is no joke. So he's going to try and test you throughout life with the smaller tests so that you are prepared and ready for bigger tests, so that you're prepared and ready for bigger things. And the king shall do according to his will, and he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god, and shall speak marvellous things against the god of gods, and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished. For that is determined shall be done. Neither shall he regard the god of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any god, for he shall magnify himself above all. So this is again speaking of the Antichrist and the beast system being it's not even about any worldly lust anymore. It's about magnifying himself above all. That that fully narcissistic, solipsistic delusion of Satan. That initial pride of, I am better than God, above God, which of course he is not, nobody is. And lastly, I want to close with Daniel 12, um, where it says, that many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt, talking about the two resurrections. Again, this is Daniel seeing the very end and showing you that at the time he received this, that it was not the time to know about it, but it is now. And this is why. 
Then they that shall be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words of this book and seal it, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. And he is referring to the time in which this shall make sense, which is right now. Then I, Daniel, looked and beheld, there stood other two, the one on his side of the bank of the river and the other on the other side of the bank of the river. And one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swore by him that lives forever, that it shall be for a time, times and a half. Which again is that reference to that three and a half years. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. And I heard, but I understood not. Because you see that still, like how do you understand this? Then said I, O Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the end of the end. Many shall be purified, remember, through the fire, tested, tried, afflicted, and made white, spotless, and tried. But the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And that goes for everyone listening as well. None of the wicked shall understand this, but the wise shall understand. And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, which is from the time the beast system is implemented, because from that point, you have to, if you don't take the mark of the beast, then then, uh, he shall cause you to die. From the time the daily sacrifice shall be taken away and the abomination that maketh desolate is set up, B system, Mark, there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Blessed is he that waits and comes to the thousand three hundred and five and thirty days. But go thy way till the end be, for thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of days. And that's referring to Daniel, who obviously would have already died in the physical by that point, this being literally thousands of years ago, this prophecy. And it's saying that he, being a faithful servant in Christ, shall stand in his lot, meaning that he's going to be standing in his appointed place in judgment and he shall rest in his, in his death, meaning that he's in you know, the good place, so to speak, in his death. But he shall stand in his lot at the end of the days, meaning that when he is resurrected, he shall be resurrected unto eternal life. And so back to the book of Revelation with a few closing scriptures that again tie all of this together again showing you how all of it correlates and I'm not just cherry picking something or anything like that I don't do that I go through diligently searching the scriptures to to uncover these truths and knowing as well that God reveals these truths to me and that's why I'm I'm showing you this so that you can know the truth so that the scales can be removed from your eyes and that you embrace the truth and love it so that you can save your soul and not that you go to eternal damnation because you believed a delusion. And so let's go to Revelation chapter 15, uh, verses 1 and 2, where it says, I saw another sign in heaven. 
great and marvellous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God, and this wrath of God is going to be poured upon those that take the mark. But listen next. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast. Now listen to this. How did they get victory over the beast? And over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, stand upon the sea of glass, having the harps of God. So they're dead. They're no longer in the physical. So their victory is that they were martyred for God. The death of his saints. Do you see how it's called a victory? That's what he's calling a victory. That had gotten the victory over the beast and the image and over his mark. You do not see the significance and the importance of not taking that mark, if anything. Basically, with all your will and might, that you do all you can to not have that mark. Because it's, that's how serious this is. It's saying, like, whatever it is, it's going to defile you to a point of, of no return. That's how serious it is. And so, I know they stood on the sea of glass, having the harps of God, doing what? They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvellous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints who shall not fear you O Lord and glorify your name for thou only art holy for all nations shall come and worship before you and for your judgments are made manifest so and then I also wanted to go to as for those who don't uh, glorify God or wish to acknowledge the truth that is Jesus and Yahweh and take the mark well, there's several scriptures that say what happened to them, including the plagues and the, obviously their eternal damnation. But let's go to Revelation 15, verses 9 to 11. It says, oh no, there's no 15. Then I probably must have meant a different one. Ah, sorry, 10 to, 16 to 11, 9 to 11. And the men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which had power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. So you see, even knowing that it's God that is uh, disciplining them and giving them the judgment, they still repented not. Do you see what I'm saying? They don't, they don't get it. They're just like, they still hate God. They're just rebelling for the sake of rebellion. At this point, it's just totally reprobate. And... Um, and the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast and his kingdom was full of darkness and they gnawed their tongues for pain of their sores, right? They have physical sores all over their body. That's why it's going to be very clear to us who takes the mark because they're going to have physical manifestations that are not comely. And they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds, which by the way, just like Egypt, just like e Egypt. And um, it's like their heart becomes more and more hardened towards God, meaning that they become more angry and hated towards God rather than repenting and glorifying him like King Nebuchadnezzar did. And lastly, chapter 16, verse 15, Behold, I come as a thief. 
Blessed is he that watches and keeps his garments, his purified garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And so with that, that's what I mean with this episode. He causes all, he causes all. That's what the mark of the beast is about. And this is what it means to actually be tested truly in your faith, is that are you willing to lay down your life like Christ lay down his for you? Because as he says, that is what true love is, that a man lays down his life for his friends and he only calls us his friend if we are willing to, get, to sacrifice our lives for him as he did for us. And so with that, may this be a blessing to you for those who have ears to hear. I've done my part in giving warning, in giving substantial teaching, in giving much clarity and being very direct in rightly dividing the word and uh, doing so in good communication, that you be warned, that you repent, that you seek the Lord, seek his face, seek his forgiveness and his mercy. And learn to study the word of God truly and to walk in the ways of Jesus, who is the only one, the only one that can sanctify you and reconnect you with God to life eternal. Until next time, God willing, all glory and dominion and blessing be to the one true living God, Yahweh, and his only begotten son, Jesus, forever and ever. Amen.